hitting it. Oh, oh, I don't even have it hitting it. He is risen. You are paid for. That makes you immortal now, and he won't be long anyway. Welcome to the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. Hey, Internet. He is risen. You are paid for. That makes you immortal now, and he is not going to be long anyway. But the rest of the world has fallen under the influence, and that's what the Saturday... <laughs> I almost did it. That's what the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill is here to rescue you from. You know my name. Let's not bother wearing it out this morning. We got plenty from you this week as we get back into, what, reality? A couple of you in the side comments already saying you you got a little thrown off with time this week that vacation or extra day or maybe it was the full moon i don't know it made it so that uh, for me at least i was on vacation for like two days it, it was it was restful it, it was uh, disorienting actually it, it'll probably be better to be back on the calendar of work that i'm used to than trying to be off why would you want days off a day off, an off day. It doesn't sound like a good thing to me anyway. But questions from you about that and getting back into what real life is like. Oh, can we? Uh, January 5th ain't here yet. If you've been following A Brief History of Power, you know that we're going to be recording uh, for this week, this week, as we look at, this coming week, as we look at, well, what? I don't know. Um, and I'm not going to really dig into much of that today because, frankly, uh, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm ready for for whoever's fighting to figure out how they're going to maybe let us know which one's going to win, right? <laughs> or maybe the idea is just to keep a snooker the entire time. I don't know. Well, that's that's Brief History of Power. Today, I want to get to your stuff. You're throwing at us. And right off the bat, I got a great question from Cafe Sola. He says this, and he says, can you spend a few minutes addressing someone who thinks that church is more about community, relationships, making friends, and less about hearing the word because um, one can do the latter online, that is hearing the word. So you're going to go to church to make friends, and then you're going to just hear the word online in your free time, because everyone's so busy doing that all the time. I'm sure whenever you go on the internet, the bulk, vast majority of time you spend is deep diving into the Hebrew, right? Or or maybe the Greek. Certainly, I mean, since you're a stellar layman who's got the, the first world education, the literacy, and all these tools and all this money so that you can really stop worrying about, say, fixing your new house or buying your second car and instead give all your life over to studying the Word of God, since you have that now, why do that at church? Since you're going to do it all the time at home, right? Right. I don't know. When you smell a rat, you smell a rat. Here, here's the thing. If you go to church so that people can be nice to you, if that's why you go to God so that people can be nice to you, you're going to be severely disappointed with Jesus Christ. Just just terribly disappointed with him as your God. He is not going to be the God you're looking for. He's not in the business of having this world be nice to you, even at church. And maybe even especially at church in a dark and evil age in which the vast zeitgeist, wicked spirit that seeks to destroy us has infiltrated many places that call themselves churches and call themselves Christians and call Jesus their savior. But if you go into those places, there's no more word of God there than there is at home with the rest of us while we got our feet up watching Netflix. So, do I have anything to say to a person uh, who thinks that it's more about that? I would say that your high places will come down. And if you don't know what that means, it's because you don't care about the Word of God. And I can't do anything about that, especially not on the internet. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Because the white noise, I'm just talking to nothing, right? So, so Cafe, you know, your friend that you got to talk to, whoever this real person is you got to talk to, unfortunately, you can't just like brush it off. This is probably someone at church, right? So, so what do you do? Uh, well, if you're the pastor, you're in a very different place. Now this person confesses one thing, at least publicly, and yet speaks another thing privately to you. And your shepherding job is to help pull them back in the right direction, right? And that can take a variety of forms of conversation. Probably not the one I just had with the world. But when we're on the public face thing here, and we're talking about those who are among us seeking to destroy us, whether they realize it or not, if they advocate worship at the high places, that is the worship of Baal, that is not Jesus Christ speaking his severe words of condemnation and salvation to the world in all their glory, well, then I don't got a lot of time to say, hey, let's be nice to each other. Let's make sure everyone feels okay about this before we part ways. <laughs> I mean, I, I know what the prophets went through. I've read it. I've seen it. And, and so if you're going to get all mad because people are concerned about clinging to certain truths of history about the man, male, Jesus of Nazareth, and his resurrection, and how his sacramental reality, that is giving of his lifeblood into you for the resurrection, how this matters now more than ever, and how having this be what you get every week now more than ever really is about the future of your faith and your children's faith in this age that we're in, this temporal age that we're in. And you want me to be like worried about sewing groups because we got to be nice to each other, right? Like we need women to know how to sew. <laughs> Men couldn't hurt to learn how to darn your socks. So, so we need these things, these old skills, but we don't need, we don't need false gods. Now, I don't know, Cafe, who you're talking to. I really don't, but I know who I'm talking to. And that's this thing, this world with its message. And its message will destroy you if you are not being fed by the pure word and sacraments of Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just the way that it is in a dark and evil age. All right, let's see here. Um, I, I have more from that. I mean, that's actually my entire opening bit was like going to be on this kind of thing. I've said it before here on the show, I think. Because someone else said it to me. It might have been Dr. Koontz on A Brief History of Power. He says a lot of really great stuff. I, I hate name-dropping Koontz. I really do, because he's so much younger than me. He's my, he's my friend. He's my brother in Christ. And, I, and then I, like, I reference him like he's Luther or something, right? Oh, well, well, Koontz says, and when I do, I, like my family's like, oh, well, if Dr. Koontz said it, then it must be true. <laughs> and they're not, well, I don't think we're entirely wrong in this. Mm. But... Brief History of Power, I'm pretty sure, is where he said to me that Christianity is supposed to be risky. Like, if you have a Christianity that's not risky, you might not be, like, orthodox, right? You might be what Lutherans call heterodox. That means, like, you could fall off the cliff. Uh, you might not fall off the cliff. We don't know. Uh, heresies were like, you're off the cliff, right? Uh, now, that's a made-up distinction for kind of trying to be nice to heretics who haven't fallen off the cliff yet, because technically heresy would be like, the Bible says this, but I'm not so cool with it. That's, that's heresy. <laughs> uh, and if the Bible says this, and I'm not so cool with it, but I'm still a Christian, well, that's, that's heresy. Uh, but heterodoxy means that you can kind of be doing that as a Christian for a while before you crash yourself or your children crash the, the legacy that, that you left for them. In any case, so if, if your Christianity is not risky, it's heterodox. It's got to be. There's no security, I mean, for temporally speaking. Because if your Christianity is not without any risk whatsoever, eternally speaking, I'm, I'm not sure it's Christianity either, right? But I'm talking about temporally speaking here. Like what I get to build with my hands and oh my, Minecraft life, right? Um, no, uh, risky. 
<laughs> Christianity's like, the whole world's risky, by the way, have you noticed? And you're not getting any special bonuses for being a Christian per se. Yeah? I mean, that's, that's your religion. You know, you're, you're out on the desert trail with a bunch of people who will die in the desert with you. And you get no bonuses. No bonuses toward desert living. But after you all die, you're not really dead. And they are, see? And so it's like, it's really different. <laughs> uh, it's not like the other religions. But it makes it so that this life is so risky that you can't even call it that. You're like, oh, whatever. It can all fall down. And the amazing thing about facing a then risky scenario is it's not as scary as you thought. If you can remember what it was like 150 years ago for your grandparents, like just try to put yourself in that scenario. They had so much more risk than you do. It's, it's off the charts crazy that we're even nervous. Really. I mean, I mean, dystopia is dystopia by the meta narrative of nervousness. So, you know, it's not surprising that we're nervous, but we're nervous for a reason. Um, and it's not survival yet. Instead, it's panic over white noise. If you can go back and think about how your grandparents lived and how they survived as people, not individuals who all beat life through a modern pact with death. Why'd you think that would stand? God's not going to let medicine win. Are you kidding me? Anyway, we're going to survive. And medicine's not even going to go away entirely. But this is the thing. Any idol that says, I'm Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ then goes and over generations or so, destroys it. He, he, he pulls it down because it has lifted itself up in his name when it's not him. And so, you know, Big Pharma, I'm not a fan of Big Pharma. I'll just be straight up about it. When I get news from President Trump about, oh, wow, new prices and all this, with Big Pharma, I'm like, that's not, that's not why I put you there. <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting played. Um, so I got no bones about that. But here's the thing. I don't have to worry about it either. I worried about it for myself. Like, I'm going to think a lot about what I put inside my body that's not grown, right? Like animal vegetable, <laughs> right? I'm going to, I mean, there, there will be things. There will be times. I, I took a spread of antibiotics recently. I had to do it. Had an infection. What are you going to do? I mean, so I'm thankful for this. But I'm not going to pretend like Big Pharma isn't really deceptive. Big Chem, yeah, Big Ag, all these things, uh, military, industrial, you think it's all just one corner? I mean, evil men, uh, okay, uh, you do that. I'm not going to. I'm going to think a lot about what I put into my body, especially after this last year. Especially after this last year. But I'm also going to know that if Jesus Christ is being usurped in his place in our hearts and minds by pharmaceutical industry, or as the old gods would have prayed to, you know, the gods of medicine. Well, then the Lord Jesus Christ, temporally speaking, will crush that reality, but that will not crush my faith or my civilization, even though it might crush yours. And that's why everyone's afraid, right? You're afraid your civilization falling apart. My civilization will live through going back to the Dark Ages. One on board? I mean, I mean, it's, it's scary, but then again, what's fear? Oh, I want to talk about that one. Fear. Fear is never the thing which is feared. I, I like to say fear is the mind killer, but it's too easy. <laughs> but you should. We should just leave it with Frank Herbert. As Frank Herbert said, fear is the mind killer. He didn't get everything right, but he's kind of right about panic. Huh? But I want to go deeper than that. I want to talk about how fear is a different thing than the event you're afraid of, like substantially. The event you're afraid of, if it were to happen, is a thing. The fear is not a thing. The fear is a story. It's a story in your head. It's an imagination story. 
and it's a battle. And in this imagination story battle, the fear happens and your attempt to tell the future decides how you shall change the future. And you do so immediately with an idol. And this can be any kind of thing in the world that's not Jesus. Even Christians generally, if we're not practiced especially, will turn to idols first. We won't say, dear Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. We will try to do something. Act first, pray later, right? Ha <laughs> ha. Fear. Not just the mind killer, but a different story. A different story than a reality that takes over your mind and causes you to worship this creation. Now, I'm not telling you, oh no, you're not a Christian because you have this happen. No, 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 hold on, hold on. If you're new to this stuff, <laughs> the battle is a slog through your own sin, not everybody else's, and your own idolatry, not everybody else's, and you're shedding it always and finding more of it. It's just every day you make up new ones. And the way you do this is this fear reality. And the antidote to this fear is not no fear, but to fear Jesus more than these things. That means to make his story the story which you remember in those moments of terror. And especially if you can build your human identity outside, I'm not kidding, man, outside the white noise, on the identity of the Son of God, redeemed in Jesus Christ, to die, possibly, a very painful but dutiful and good, honorable death in this age, in order to rise again, and you can build that warrior's mentality, frankly, into who you are. <laughs> I was going to say it makes all the difference in the world. Christianity is risky, and that's why it's the best religion. The rest of them are, well, they're risky too. Just in the wrong way. Uh, I won't go off on that right now. Let me give you one other thing that we can share with the other religions, though. I think. Well, not all of them, though. Some of the question is, you know, is Buddhism even a religion? Yeah, it is at this point. But a lot of what it is at its root is some philosophy. And the philosophy isn't always so bad. That is, when a, when a human with a mind, you know, and not everyone has them because they don't all use them because they don't think or read, or write, or have the time to do so, other than like for the white noise, right, as a job. When a thinking person sits and studies just what's under their nose for long enough, you start to find stuff, and even those who don't have Jesus Christ, and this shouldn't surprise anybody, can figure out a whole lot of things. It's not that tough. And so, frankly, Eastern religions often have sat around thinking about, like, how do I feel my toes right now for a long time? And they're, they're pretty good at you know, bodily intuition, if you want to call that mindfulness, whatever. And there's some real dangerous stuff there. But there's some overlap, too, wherein what I find amazing is that Christianity could and should be teaching many of these things like heads and tails better because we have a far more uh, direct understanding of them, <laughs> revealed even. And yet somehow it's been lost in translation into English, quite literally. So let me just dial it back a whole a whole million miles and throw this statement out into the sky and you can just disagree with me offhand or you can you can agree with me offhand or whatever but i think it's worth pondering basically this is why i'm going to say this i'm not saying this to be like after this we can stop writing books <laughs> like that's not where we're at yet okay but i think that this is a great place for after this pondering maybe it'll be worth writing a note to yourself about how to achieve such a thing Hmm? Enlightenment is self-control. That's what we share. The fruit of the Spirit is only in Christianity. That is, rather than being alone with that darkness, you have a Spirit with you who is not you, who is Jesus' Spirit sent to you 
who is then therefore also making you one with Christ. Enlightenment for the Christian is an inevitability. Most of us are wasting our time not pondering that. How bad, I'm shifting gears here for you. How bad, how bad does it have to get? And this goes back to Cafe Sola's question a little bit too. Uh, you know, about, uh, you know, the church has got to be more about people than about the word. Which is what the person says. <laughs> Let's make idols out of each other. Um, oh, sorry. I mean, it's amazing that, that, that the babble is so strong in us. Um, how bad does it have to get at church? I'm not forget being like let's toppling the elites of history or whatever. My mind is not able to achieve such things. This is not our game, Christians. We have a different game. Don't get entangled in civilian affairs. I mean, you can, you should, locally, and if you rise because God raises you, then you're king and deal with it. But until then, uh, think about your home and think about your altar, your hearth, if you got one the center of your home where you should gather your people around the warmth of your own voice if you're a man this is what god made it all for put a christ up on top of that hearth by the way and then you have not an altar but a source of light and life redeemed uh, there's, not, there's a reason the ancient christians by and large up to like like 1900s we're talking about the, the hearth being the center of the home you know what replaced it? it it was always there apartments even would try you know what replaced it it was a strange fire really I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not making any assertions. You know, I'm just saying, like, it's funny how we used to sit and look at the fire and think. Ponder, listen, talk. Now we look at a different fire that's blue. And uh, we listen to it talk to us. I'm not done watching stuff, but, like, if you got to turn me off and, like, think about that for a bit, like, I'm with you. Because, frankly, there's something different here, yeah? Um, now I'm not going to talk about turning off the TV entirely here, although this is my question. How bad does it have to get before you start putting things back? Before you start taking away what is new that maybe shouldn't have come in. And before you start putting back into place things that you or your folks said, ah, we don't need this. Like the proper distinction between a man and a woman. I mean, you know, I, I'm a man, and I believe the Bible. And I'm pretty confident that most men and women who would say we're Christians in today's America do not believe what the Bible says about man and woman. Straight up, you don't. I don't need to prove it to you. You should just go read it. <laughs> I, if you're like, oh, I do, I swear I do, uh, then, then um, well, good, go read it. And, and if you're like, well, I know all the reasons why I shouldn't. Well, then, yeah, see my point. Uh, so how bad does it have to get before you start putting things back? That's, that's my question. How bad does it have to get before you start conserving? And I, I want to leave that open-ended, but in my own handwriting, it says ideas. But, you know, that's to be a conservative. Not a Republican, by the way. 
<laughs> I mean, I am one, but they're not conservative. I, not, I mean, to think that that's what that party stands for, some, any type of conservatism, uh, that we're here to retain what is good about our peoples. I, it's been a while, I think, since, since the party really had that as an agenda at all. It's a little more about uh, the empire, which, uh, you know what? This is a different topic, but it's about time we just admitted it, don't you think? I think it would be a lot easier for most of our consciences to not to think that we're a republic based upon the goodwill of men and realize we're just an empire run by some people with a lot of money who own banks effectively and private militaries, including ours. I, I mean, kind of, sort of. Like, that makes it easier for me. The United States empire is far away, and I live here, and I will love my neighbor and pay my taxes. That's all right, you know? And this is pretty normal in history. But this idea that, like, my vote matters and stuff, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty confident, again, locally, my vote will matter to my mayor a whole lot more than it mattered to Donald Trump. Uh, of course, I live in Illinois, so maybe not, right? Oh, wink, wink. But, but that's just it. That's just it. What really matters? What really matters is who your authorities actually are. And your authorities are people who actually exercise authority over you. Not storytellers on a magic device that sits in your house from aliens, right? It's not from aliens. I don't, well, demons. I don't know, but, but I don't care. The magic device that sits in your house and tells you the story of people from far away who have no authority over you, and yet you submit to everything they say. I challenge you. Consider this. You know, uh, or you can, you can let the, the men in black go, shh, and oh, I forgot. And you can take the blue pill, or red pill, blue pill. Which one is Do you even know the reference? Uh, I should know the reference well enough. I've said it well enough. It's blue pill. Red pill? That's, that's terrible. That's really bad on my part. Faux pas. I'm live. I'm alone. <laughs> uh, so I think conserving ideas, being a conservative mind, it's not about who you vote for, but it will impact who you vote for. Because a mind that realizes that this world is in the habit first law of thermodynamics of tearing down things and that man is the reason for that then good men who know this must conserve what is because no matter how good it gets you know more days of darkness are coming and yeah that's in the bible ecclesiastes speaking of ecclesiastes ah uh, 917 words of the wise spoken quietly, should be heard over the shout of a ruler of fools. You just take that one home with you. I, I, um, Proverbs 12, too, spent some time on this one this week, too, and I really love it because it's got some deep words in it. My, my translation says, goodness embraces the perceptive will of Jesus Christ. Goodness embraces the perceptive will, what you know to be the will of Jesus Christ. But a man's devices are his own incrimination. And the word there for incrimination is a very unique construction of a word for evil or wickedness. Uh, and the devices is exactly what it is. Um, uh, tools and or tricks and or schemes and or ideas. The imaginations of men's hearts and even as they come to fulfillment around them and things like clocks and toys, um, man traps himself in these things. He begins to worship these things by his own nature. He worships the work of his hands, right? His own ability to make tomorrow perfect. But goodness, tov, the, the, the real, God said it was tov. To be a good man is simply to embrace what you know Christ has given. There's something about the past being fulfilled right now and saying, amen, this is who I am. This is who God has made me. This is who my God is. It is sufficient, even in suffering, even in rage, even as you deal with repentance, especially as you deal 
with repentance. That's Proverbs 12, 2. Goodness embraces the perceptive will of Jesus Christ. A man's devices are his own incriminations. What else did I want to talk about before we got to your stuff? Uh, salt and light and decay, of, decay and darkness. My theme for my own life, I'm giving my quarters themes now because I'm not going to the movies much, and so I need something exciting, right? So coming up this season, right? Um, uh, it, uh, this winter, spring, the dark winter, 2021 for me, or for you, 2025 for me. Uh, uh, yeah. This dark winter, the theme is salt and light in decay and darkness. I want to share that with you because it's kind of about where we need to be. It's going to be dark. Uh, you, you hear that being talked, even as they say build back better, they've got to keep letting it get torn down. I mean, man, the riots in Portland right now are off the charts. Uh, riots? Planned attacks. <laughs> Not riots. Staged destruction of wholesale areas. Um, oh my. Salt and light and decay and darkness. Uh, what is it? Israel is leading the world in vaccinations? Good, bad, maybe so? Baby parts along for the ride? Uh, what does it mean? mRNA. To change your DNA. I don't know. Is a dark winter only a season? Or is it something much more? A generation? Or did we just go through it? <laughs> and are we at least going to now rebuild after the dark winter just tore down so much? And we get a second round. How deep does this hole go? I, I don't know any of those things. I don't know any of those things. What I know is that Jesus Christ has declared that I am salt. And I am light. He has declared it to me physically. How, you say? A vision from on high? Well, kind of. But not so much. Because there was no sparkling. Right? Um... But there was a moment where, all alone, I myself, before the holy God, with others around me, by the way, a whole host of witnesses, watched as the very voice of God claimed me as his own and bid me rise to live. And, and by the way, the same has happened yet again, sending me to preach to you. Now, the fact that I'm just saying that's my infant baptism and my ordination into the LCMS, well, you don't believe that, fine. I do. And I'll tell you, that's an excelsis of an identity. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's yours too. I mean, your own version. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Salt and light is what you have been called. It's not what you must become. God knows well your salt has lost its saltiness and the light inside you is darkness. He is not surprised by this. But you are not alone. For according to the word of God and his promises to you, the spirit of God by these very promises, words and mysteries alike resides within you and he is God. So no matter how dark you might be, as long as the words of Jesus Christ are still coming out of your mouth, alleluia! The Spirit lives. Salt and light is what you are. And I don't need to tell you how to be that so much as convince who you are it. We can debate the nuances of the law because, frankly, well, there's liars out there who twist it. But if you're ever going to really debate it without crushing yourself, well, then you got to know it's not there for you to judge yourself. 
is there for you to pick yourself back up and stand on again. Even when you tripped on it. Even when you tore it down with your own hands. Did you wake up and say, Hallelujah? Can you see the words on the page again? Do you have a friend who will read it out loud? Can you pay anybody to get Alexa to do it for you? You are salt and light. Even though this dark winter is going to be decay and darkness all around, just stand firm and believe. Even when it touches your body, your house, your hearth, your altar, it cannot rest there for long. And though you die... This spirit who makes you so confident will go on amongst a body wider, larger than your own, and yet one, Jesus Christ's own. The church? Yeah. You and me? Yeah. And him on the throne? Yeah. And all that mystery. And just own it. That's what I'm saying this year, if you want to make it this year, although I don't think anything changed. Uh, The calendar of the World Bank is now, it's not anathema to me, it's a mark of a beast I got to use to buy and sell. (laughs) It's not really the mark of the beast. Typologically, it is, though, if you think about it. You can't buy and sell without it. And it's just a big story. Big, big story about how everything changed last night. Nothing changed last night, except your story. And that story ain't in the Bible. Not even close to the Bible. And we, we had a great talk about that in the Mad Christian Discord, by the way. Great disagreement. You want... F- <laughs> the rule about Fight Club... Oh, I just got real loud. Sorry. The rule about Fight Club is you're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, right? So, I'm not going to. I already said enough, and most of you, you don't want to go there anyway, really, um, it, because what you want is Luther Quest, okay? Uh, or, or there's another one out there that I, I, I respect them more, so I won't use their name, but what you want is Luther Quest, okay? What you want is, is a chat room where people can yell about really specific, narrow things in the English translation, or they can show that they can yell about stuff in original languages so the people with the English translation shut up. That's what you want, right? Like, that's what Lutherans want. We get online, we're going to dogpile, I'm right. And that would not be the Mad Christian Discord. The Mad Christian Discord is, in fact, Discord. It is, it is a lot of noise. Although within that noise, you can mine out some really genuine people who will be willing to have a bones-to-bones debate with you about something like, is COVID COVID? With detail, study, and even professional quality, you know, argument. And then they'll be like, still your friend after you don't agree. <laughs> yeah, that's Citadelia. And Citadelia in the Mad Christian Discord, again, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And it's not there for you to spend your whole life watching it. Honestly, go, go to Citadelia once a day. Take your, your feast in a corner, you know, head into whatever pub or corner you can find. There's a lot of channels there, art, humor, uh, my own elusive channel. I, I haven't promoted this at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm still on Twitter. I'm going to gradually withdraw from almost everything else I'm pushing out, except for this and the podcast and whatnot, right? But anything that's kind of random, Instagram, you know, it's just, I'm going to get rid of all that. And I might get rid of Twitter eventually. I'm not sure, but I'm not going to delete it, whatever. But if you want like where I'm actually trying to do something right now in real time, that is, uh, hmm. It's entertainment. It's art. It might be science. It's, my hope groundbreaking. Um, it is definitely a new medium approach, and yet it's very old. It's it's such an old medium. It is hard to explain. It's also the, the development of the smart desk coming out of smart notes. Um, that's not something I've talked about before, nor will I talk about again anytime soon here because it's it just barely hit like alpha. Um, but it is uh, 
it is not an artificial intelligence. There's nothing artificial about it. Uh, I'll just say it that way. If you want to f- any more of that, just go to my elusive channel on the Mad Christian Discord because the elusive channel is where I'm going to be posting the art that is whatever I'm figuring out about how to use paper better than we've ever used it before. I think. God be praised. I could be wrong. And that'll be okay too. Uh, but that's that'll be good art because it's really pretty. There's like, there's like, I don't know. It's not like a bullet journal, but it is. It's like a bullet discord. Come to, come look at my bullet discord. I did it. Yay. It's pretty. Um, <laughs> uh, but it does, it also is deep. So if you want to get into like, there's also the dystopic sci-fi uh, channel in the Mad Christian Discord. This is where I ask questions about whether or not there's a great demon living underneath London that all the movies have foretold is doing what it's doing to us right now as part of our epic I don't really believe that, but I think it's a cool story, and it's part of how I'm personally developing my own story that I'm working on like to write, um, and in that place, we ask really cool conspiracy theory questions, because frankly, at the point where people are walking around with a plastic band strapped over their head, like they can see through this plastic sheet, and it's banded around their forehead, and they're walking around because this is going to stop airborne viruses, I think tinfoil hats might be wiser, right? If you got a tinfoil hat on, I might listen to you now, because look at these people. I mean, this piece of cloth, it's not doing nothing. Go get the N95 if you're really that afraid. And if you don't want to go get the N95, then you're really not that afraid. And at least acknowledge you're living a lie every time you put it on. I don't know how to say it. Unless you're wearing the good ones. If you're wearing the good ones, hats off to you. Because frankly, to go into the middle of the medical industry right now is heroic work. I would not want to be there for my life. I cannot believe you who are doing this. God bless you. And God be praised for you being salt and light and decay in darkness. But you know, you're not using handkerchiefs. <laughs> handkerchiefs. Ah, so anyway, stop living the lie. Ah, ah. I got one more thing I got to throw at you. Um, Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Uh, if, you, if you haven't watched Bitcoin for a while, it's doing that thing again that it did like two years ago. And in here's what could happen. You got two paths forward. I'm not an expert. I don't give financial advice, but I am a futurist. Uh, you got two paths forward for Bitcoin right now. You want the one where this is just like what happened before, which is that on its growth trajectory, which will go on until it replaces the dollar. You want this to be true, honestly. Um, it's going to spike down, spike down over two to five year periods as it gradually moves into a global currency fiat kind of situation. And so the runs on it, right? There's a run on it right now. And that run made it jump from, it was at 13,000, but really, I mean, this year, it's been at 6,000 all year, okay? I, I hold, I watch. It's, it's been at 6,000 all year. 31, 32,000 today? And it was at 13, like, a couple weeks ago. Right? So, okay, don't buy it. Whatever you do, do not buy Bitcoin right now. Whatever you do, do not. This is a spike, okay? So this happened two years ago. It went from being around 2,000 per, uh, per coin, I think. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, but around 2,000 per coin, it spiked up to 19 in like a matter of a couple of months, right? And uh, I got in right before it did that and then right as it did it. And I learned, hey, when is at the top, stop buying. <laughs> uh, so, so what it did, it was it dropped again, like the tulips. You can look up that one too if you want. Drop like the tulips, only it's not a tulip bulb. It's a much better thing than a tulip bulb. So it settled, not at two, but at six. Six or seven, five, eight, ten, all around like this for a good two years, right? But six is kind of our average since it jumped from two, right? And it did this way before, by the way, jumping from like pennies, okay? So right now it's jumping again. I don't know where it's going to land, but it won't be at 31,000, okay? It's going to be under, but it'll be above six. It'll be above seven. It'll be well above that. 
that'd be the time that I will probably consider buying again. And I'll just say that'd be the time that if you would like to, rather than subscribe to me on Patreon to help out, uh, you could start just sending me bread, uh, Bitcoin bread uh, via the app, you know, uh, I would take that. I would. I would not be able to use it immediately, though, because I hold Bitcoin. So you'd be way ahead of me if you're ready to like send it to anybody. Uh, holding is what you do when you have an asset that no one yet realizes what its value is. And yet the elites are beginning to, <laughs> especially, well, again, the question will be, you got two issues on this one. Uh, when and does, say, the World Bank and its ilk uh, adopt Bitcoin? Uh, uh, or when does Bitcoin simply destroy their attempt to control currency so they just have to acknowledge it underneath their lie? And if you don't know what that meant, then you have never studied enough monetary theory to disagree with me. <laughs> Sorry. And you should. Uh, there's a great book called Debt. You should just start with that one. But you should really go get it. It's good. It's good. And then um, and Nick Sabo's interview with uh, Tim Ferriss from a couple years ago. It is the the deep dive beginner's book on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, uh, blockchain technology, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm no expert. But then again, if you've never read anything, I am compared to you. So it's, you know, there's, there's tears of this kind of stuff. You, you, you are read. You are well read. You are doctorated. I am not doctorated, but that, uh, that that makes me think. I should definitely get to y'all. It's time for y'all's questions from this last week. There's a lot of good ones coming. I'm going to take just a moment here, not this full break, just a moment here to get some water. We'll be back probably in a minute. Stick around. All righty then, here we go. I moved the camera around a little bit here. We got a, a wider shot, uh, which is good. Um, still working with this new... Well, what do you call it? Uh, teleprompter kind of thing. The screen's a bit small, but we uh, it's caused Frisbee the Hand to make a, a new a new style of art, which I had fun playing with this morning. We're going to be dragging. i got to practice, though. Dragging this thing around to be able to get to what you got and pick what I see on top and make it big. i got to do all that on this screen. Read it to you on this screen. We're going to practice in real time. Uh, what about the men, says Jordan, who are more intellectual versus physical? Can we have a chess... Fight Club. So this is in response to, I think, something on the Mad Christian Discord where I did talk about Fight Club. Um, again, a movie that I don't even know that I recommend seeing. Read the Wikipedia you know, summary of it, and you kind of get the, the theory behind it. That's kind of most movies, I suppose, these days. Um, but, you know, mentioning Fight Club as the place where men can go to be men. And this is kind of a, a different topic. Maybe you didn't see this one coming <laughs> from what Jordan said. Uh, but I had mentioned earlier owning the reality of, of manhood and womanhood as being distinct. And let me see if I can boil it down for you uh, in the most uh, psychological way possible. I would say this is based upon biblical texts, but I'm going to speak it in the wisdom of the world. I'm also going to say that there is certainly a spectrum of humanity in which there are more masculine women and there are more feminine men. And this is of the created order before the fall. However, at the same time, um, that does not undo the norm. Where did I see someone tweeted yesterday? Uh, it really is quite right, though. Uh, the Democratic National Committee's platform is politics by exception. <laughs> like, like all our laws are made as a, because there's a, an exception to a good law. So we got to change everything. Right. Uh, and, and that's sort of the mentality um, that, that's been taken to a lot of different things. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so the big psychological difference between a man and a woman is that a woman will need to save everybody. It will be so against her being 
to let somebody die that as a ruler shall make the wrong decisions straight up on like micro levels too like this is a micro reality not just a macro like oh it's about deaths no it's like on the whole shebang your angle is that okay save them all and the men just don't believe that's possible and and so we we just reckon with it that's the big at least right now in our culture distinction between the men who've woken up not woke <laughs> we're going back to the old sleep uh <laughs> it's stronger uh, those men uh they know what I'm talking about. And those boys who are like, I want to, you also are like, oh, I know what he's talking about. Well, wake up, all right? Wake up. This is why men want fight club and women don't. This is why boys punch each other and then laugh. Some of them. The, the ones who've been taught how to be boys, not the ones who've been feminized. Um, and girls don't. Hmm. Something about Getting on the mat, I'm told, because I haven't yet gone to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu place and COVID made it tougher to try. Hmm. I'm told, ain't nothing like fighting to make you friends. And, uh, well, if you want to know what's wrong with the internet, not a tangent, it's that we don't fight. We don't. We, we like, yell. <laughs> but we don't actually fight. Like, we don't stick it out and then, like, pick up and say, that was a good fight. Uh, like, see if we can figure out get next. Like, like, we'll get better next time. Uh, and this is what's been so stunning about the Mad Christian Discord as a place. I can't guarantee it'll always be like this. I'm waiting for someone to get whiny. Uh, but as a place, I've watched Christians fight with each other without getting mad. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And and they debate. They say, "Nope, you misunderstood me. Nope, I disagree. Why are you holding on to this point?" And like, I w- I kept waiting for it to blow up. And so I'd have to come in and be like, ah, oh, you guys, you guys turn it down. It's not really a final thing here. You can debate this somewhere else. Um, fight club. So, so the question then is this. Out of that idea, okay? You need the context. Out of that idea, what about the men who are intellectual versus physical? Can we have a chess fight club? Well, that's what the Mad Christian Discord is, son. It's a video game chat platform. <laughs> it's for nerds. Come on, man. Uh, what, do, what do you want? I don't have an actual fight club going on. It'd be kind of cool. Uh, you know, we, could, we do have the Sons of Solomon and a muster coming up on the 18th. Every month, there is a muster. It is in Rockford, Illinois. There will be Sons of Solomon meeting at the Rockford Roasting Company outside or inside, depending on whether they're open with masks and all these kinds of things. But with our crucifixes, ready to pray our psalms and ready to encourage each other toward being dutiful pro-life, pro-creation and marriage, pro-neighborhood men in this dark and evil age. If you want to know more about the Sons of Solomon... Uh, you should you should ask in the comments or join the Mad Christian Discord because that's where our our early platform is. But um, yeah, no, we don't really have an actual get together fight yet. I, I don't I don't know that I plan on that. I do. I would like to get on a, a jujitsu mat some point in my life. At the same time, I have said so many times in my life I would like to do things. I'm no longer counting any of them. I I I, I scratched and went fresh. Advent 2025, right? Time to not embark on any more new projects until I can finish a few and be really excited in the process of making them happen. So the last thing I'm going to do is put a calendar event on my calendar in 2021 uh, that is weekly, that is not something I'm deadly serious about doing for the rest of my life um, or a one-off, right? Two-off kind of thing. Uh, so that, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah? You feels me? You feel, now I've got to pull this here, <laughs> over here. We're talking out loud while I figure out what to do. Let's check out what question marks we have here. Uh-oh, can't do that one. 
Oh, see, that won't work unless if I do this. Magic, slowly, magic happens. Happy New Year to you, brother. Well, Happy New Year right back to you. Hope all is well up there in the Illini, Illinois. Illinois? I don't know. I don't even know. Is there a way to properly pronounce it Illinoisy? Because there is an album that is pronounced that way. I've never understood. Someone help. Uh, quick question. Daughter looking to take an online college basic class. Any suggestions on solid, preferably Christian based that aren't going to be filled with political correctness? As always, appreciate the advice. Um, and my answer is I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, I just ran into a really neat young lady visiting from out of town. Uh, uh, and she was telling us about the college she goes to on the East Coast that's kind of a new model, two-year uh, liberal art immersive thing that was sounded pretty cool. Um, I don't think they were online. Uh, I know that the Concordia University system has online availability for all their or some of their classes at least. I think they do. They should. Um, and so that if like if I had to do this, I'd either go through a Concordia if I was worried about like having theology taught to me. Um, and then if it wasn't that, I would just do the online state stuff and sit with the kid <laughs> and through all of it, you know, through, through the, the, the immersive destruction stuff, at least. I don't know. But this is where I got to say, like right off the bat, my answer to this is got to be um, we're not doing that. We're not going to do this as a family. It's just we were going to do this before COVID. And now, I mean, the nails are in the coffin in terms of the, the cat being out of the bag. There is... I'm just going to say my son right now, and you can get mad at me if you want. If my son wants to become a, a medical doctor, uh, a legal professional lawyer, uh, I don't know, there's a few other dentists. Uh, there's a number of professions wherein the guild still matters. But they're pretty rare, honestly. And uh, I... To subject ourselves to the the radical kind of trick Las Vegas style four year indentured slavery debt world, and then also be brainwashed or have to deal with filtering out the nonsense, uh, I'm far more interested in all of my children intellectually preparing themselves for what Tim Ferriss has called a real world MBA, Masters in Business Arts, which is. To make it really short, whatever money you thought you were going to go spend and get into debt to, to go get a university degree, take the first year's amount of that, try to try to get that money, however you can, and go start a business. Just lose all that money or become a millionaire, you know, but just go do it. And you're going to be so better off intellectually having learned from that process, especially if you're not really in debt at the end of it. You're going to be way ahead of anybody who has a four-year degree. So you want to go work at a company in a cubicle? You're right. You need a degree. <laughs> I don't encourage people to do that. <laughs> it's not healthy. I don't, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good for your body. It's bad on the human. It's not good for your spirit either. Anything that's not good for your body is not good for your spirit. You are one. Your humanity is one. So the Real World MBA is what I am already homeschooling my kids with, even the youngest. We treat all of it as Real World MBA psychology or mentality. It is about self-learning. It is not about obedience. I do not want my children to learn how to obey just because, which is what public education teaches. 
It's its primary goal is obedience. Um, I, I don't want obedience. I want, I want uh, resistance. <laughs> uh, I want discord. Uh, I want the resistance that I was chirping about way before anybody used it for Trump. You can go watch my what is it, epic trailer of awesomeness from way back. Terminate your salvation days. Huh? Uh, the resistance. I want to really resist. Not, not pretend to resist with flags. <laughs> I, I want to resist uh, in my actual heart, mind, and soul. And I want my children to do it too. And so we are going to unplug in a lot of ways without ever actually unplugging. Like we're still, we're, we're cyber hacks, right? Cyberpunk, steam future. I don't know. Um, we're going to not leave society in any way, shape, or form. We intend to live one in one next door to what's going on around us. I'm just not going to assume the stories. And your degree is a story. Either you know how to operate on a body or you don't. And if you're good at it, you know not everyone in class with you should be doing it. Right? So it's everywhere. It's every profession. It's all mankind. And the, the, the fact that the Christian church has just been so like, like falafeled about this one. Um, and yeah, I did use the word that way. We are falafeled. The, the, the fact that we've been falafeled by this into thinking that, that these conglomerations of, of greedy, wicked men would not be doing greedy, wicked, lying, deceptive things. Um, when we know the Old Testament, in and out, there is, I mean, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. <laughs> oh, if you got that reference, you were really, really good. My kids might have picked that one up. Let's see. I want to go to Steve here, uh, who says this. Steve says, uh, and Frisbee, if you're watching this, this is great. I don't know why they're see-through like this. It works, but I don't know if everyone else is going to like it. Um, so, dear Jonathan Fisk, Steve says, infant baptism question. Can you expound on Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 39? I have an ongoing discussion with my uncle and a second, that a second baptism is not necessary. His argument is that infant an infant is not aware and cannot reason. Martin Luther did say that reason is the enemy of faith. Webster's definition, infant is a child in the first period of life, right? So um, we got, the, we got the, the text here to look at, um, and I, we'll do that in just a moment. But I just want to kind of, uh, I want us to not pretend like this is a new idea or a new argument, okay? So whoever you are watching right now, infant baptism, no infant baptism. Like, this argument is tired now. There are no more new arguments to be made on this. You either worship reason or you worship what the Bible says. It's all there is to it. And if you don't think that, then you haven't taken all the places the Bible talks about baptism, written them all down and put them on one piece of paper in front of you and looked at it. And you should. It, it is kind of obvious. It, it, it would take a, a, a blue-red pill level confusion of the mind to not see it. And that's why we made up the word heterodoxy, so that we could say you're still Christians. <laughs> Even though you don't believe like these huge portions of the Bible. <laughs> that's really important. Yeah? And clear. So clear. So much more clear than Revelation is. Revelation is a disaster of, of disclarity. I mean, I love it. It's gorgeous. But it's, it's just, it's foggy on purpose. Like, the glory of God is foggy. Baptism is not foggy. There's nothing foggy about the text of baptism. They're straight up. We'll look at the Acts 2 one here in just a moment. But just to stop pretend this is new, and this isn't about obstinance on one side or the other. So either I'm just obstinate and, frankly, about to become an unbeliever, or my children will, or you are. No, that's not quite fair. Because Anabaptists do retain themselves from generation to generation. It is possible. It is possible. Can you trust in Jesus without trusting 
fully in Jesus? And the answer is yes. So the real issue is, have you, if you remove baptism altogether, and the, the bodies that do that, we would say they've ejected Christianity altogether. Um, those that have baptism but don't know how to use it, they're just, uh, well, like, like Roman Catholicism, they're under the Babylonian darkness. They've, they've got a shadow or a veil over the gospel. It's there. Jesus is there saving people, but it's hard to find it if you really know what it smells like. Or you'll find there's a lot of other stuff in the, in the scent at the same time. So um, with that all said, kind of describing the scenario of our argument about baptism as a 500 plus year old debate, uh, that there really isn't any new information on this other than the last 150 years were mostly debated by in, in scholarship by unbelievers rather than by Christians. Um, and we didn't believe the Bible was even like the Bible and stuff. Uh, so, Mm-mm. What I want to get at though here is so the idea of second baptism is what your uncle's into. Okay, so this is that not just that infant baptism is wrong, but that even if you were baptized as an adult, if you have any kind of like shortage or falling away, uh, you need to step back up uh, again and get baptized again. Right. So it's not just because there are those who just want you to get baptized because infant baptism is wrong. And to call that second baptism is kind of stupid on their part if they're doing that because you're saying the first one's not a baptism. So. You hear what I'm saying? Like, like that's that's weird, um, and would reveal the ignorance of your argument, frankly. Um, so, <laughs> ah, uh, so, second baptism theology, like officially, would be like you're getting thirds and fourths and fifths, and your church is having people baptized, you know, all through life. Even the pastor's going to be like, oh, like I sinned last week, got to make it back. So, um, that behavior, I'm not even going to waste time with today because I think if that, I don't think that's what he's even arguing for, but he, maybe he is. But then. It all does come down to uh, what his trust is in, right? So his argument, you say, is that an infant is not aware. Okay, so now he's dumb. He's really dumb if you think infants aren't aware. He's ne- he's he's a he's a very uh, selfish person to not see that babies have brains and hearts and spirits. I don't know how he could think a baby's not aware. Now maybe that's what you're saying. Okay, so. Maybe I'm going too far there, but the language, that's, that's, that's a horrible thing to say about a baby. They feel pain. I mean, they're, they're, rabbits are aware, for pity's sakes, and, and, but cannot reason. Okay. So here's the challenge with this one. The idea that your intellect, your reason, your ability to think as a creature is the same thing as faith is a completely made up idea. And I'm not going to defend my assertion. I'm going to tell you, you cannot find that in the Bible. Go try Define faith as reason. Go for it. Have fun. You are on a goose chase, man. Goose chase. Faith is trust in what God has said. And to say that an infant can't trust in what God has said. Now we can at least argue something, but right now you're just like from the Bible, right? But now you're just asserting nonsense. That's been asserted for a long time and you've been brainwashed into it because you were raised with it. You were probably traumatized as a kid culturally with it. So it's like, I got a hold of this, right? I'm not a Christian. Somehow in your psychology, your animal psychology has to believe it. But the idea that reason and faith are one should terrify you and convince you you're not a Christian, which is why people end up baptizing themselves three, four, five, six times because they actually start to really believe this and they realize, oh my goodness, I've never done enough. So if baptism is a work you're doing to save yourself, uncle, which you think it's what I'm doing, but that's not what I'm doing. That's what it sounds like you're doing. You're waiting until the kid's old enough to save himself by thinking. And you call that not a work because you made that up. 
Acts chapter 2 is just a text from the Bible that says stuff that is true, and I believe. I know, it's crazy. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye, oh, I love it, Frisbee, thank you for the, for the old school, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, ah, southern accent, I wish I had one. Uh, I, I could fake it, but it wouldn't count. Uh, the promise is free unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as as many as our Lord, our God, the Lord our God should call, right? So the lead into this moment is kind of a big deal. Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost Sunday. It's an Old Testament feast. It's the Feast of Harvest. Uh, it is tied to the reaping of fruit. Uh, there are other overlaps uh, to what happens uh, in Christian theology with the resurrection that come and the gathering of the church and the church age that definitely overlap with the Pentecost Levitical stuff. Um, again, not an expert, but uh, it's I've seen it. It's really cool stuff. Um, and uh, uh, let's see. On this day of Pentecost, then, with that all that typology in play in the air, <laughs> you have Jesus Christ fulfilling his promise to his church, which is to send the Holy Spirit, who had never been sent like this before in history. The Old Testament church did not have this sending of the Spirit. What does it mean? It means that everybody has the Word of God now, not just the prophets. Yeah. And uh, what do you know? The Scripture suddenly became a written thing for all people at this time too. I'm not going to say that the ability to write scripture is what Christianity is, but the spirit certainly doesn't mind it when you do it. Let me say that. <laughs> uh, so this said, the birth of this New Testament spirit church, which does come with signs and wonders likened to the old, showing the close of the old. So all these miracles of that first century are the close of the Old Testament. It's over, it's done, it's gone. The special people set apart as temporal people, gone into the reality of normal life where all the magic is what the witches do, but not what God does. Okay. Like that's, that's poof, Holy spirit. So all you people speaking in tongues and trying to get miracles to happen, all this, like you're, you're barking up really weird trees. Like, and if you don't know what that means, that's actually a pun related to your own history that you should read. <laughs> you should chase the devil up a tree sometime. Woof, woof. Anyway, golly, the spirit of God who comes by word and mystery, namely baptism, supper, those things with the scriptures clearly say we're supposed to do. And it's like, wow, that's Jesus too. He's here with us somehow. We don't understand, but we'll trust him. That gets pushed out into the present, right? That happens with a sermon that Peter preaches in the midst of this great Old Testament festival. And that sermon brings forward all the prophecies of the Christ to a complete and utter fulfillment in Jesus and in Pentecost day. This is not to say the last day is not still to come, but it is understand that all of the Old Testament promises of one thing we are having experienced as a wide epoch of things, the, the church age, the Messianic age. And it is an age of faith alone in actual word and sacrament, just like of old signs and symbols, but not just for the Jews, for the nations as well. This shouldn't surprise anybody, but sadly, it's like brand new to most Christians. Duh. So he preaches that. And he tells the Jews that their time is over and that their God is now leaving them as a specific people to inhabit all peoples. And so Jews are welcome, of course, but they're not exclusively the holders anymore. And when he says this, to this massive crowd of people, not everybody says, 
we want to kill you. <laughs> there are some who do. But some people are cut to the quick, particularly when they do believe that Jesus Christ is both dead and risen and ascended, and that they are guilty of killing him and don't know about forgiveness yet. Hmm. All right? So they say, what the shall we, I filled in pious words, what shall we do? I filled in a biblical word. What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent. Now, before we go any further, let's just, let's just right here, repent. So baptism, if it's anything, is a turning. That's what repent means. It's a turning point. It is a shift. Okay. So now again, the argument is that a baby cannot repent. A baby cannot turn. Now, the bigger question, I suppose, would be what's the turn that we're supposed to experience here? Is the turn a new intellect? Is the turn a new will? Is the turn a new body? And the answer is yes, because there's nothing Jesus gives that isn't all of those things. So now your argument is actually just that the baby cannot receive as a gift from Jesus, Jesus' promise of turning the baby, of giving a new will, a new heart, new body. Now these, these men here, to get to the font, they have to be turned first because they're against the font. They're against the water. The baby is a bit helpless, uh, so it doesn't really have to be turned. <laughs> it just has to be brought. It has to have repentant parents. So yeah, if the parents have no repentance in them, then generally I would try not to baptize the baby. Uh, or I tell them, look, you're just you're going to give birth to this kid and you're going to starve him to death when you never come to church. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. It's rude. It's cruel. That, that's like acting like babies aren't aware. Yeah. Anyway, repent and be baptized. No, here's the thing. Why does he say that? Why does he say repent and believe in Jesus? Now, he probably did. I, I'd be willing to say he said a lot more than what got recorded. That's not to say he didn't say this. I'm an, I'm an inspired, inerrant believer in the, in the scriptures. He said this. This is what we're to know. I know how translation works. It's in English. This ain't even close to what he actually said. <laughs> it is a translation of what he actually said. And the translation says that you must stop unbelieving and be baptized. Now, can you stop unbelieving? First off, can you? Can you really turn yourself? Can you really repent? Really? 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 Go away then. <laughs> you know you can't. And so, well, it doesn't mean perfectly. It simply means be in a world in which God is saying what just happened is true. And be baptized into that in the name of Jesus Christ, which I would understand to be his words, which means when he says baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit, it's pretty obviously that's what he wants you to do. So we don't usually say Jesus Christ in the actual baptismal formula, although we say his name all over the place because he's God and king and stuff. Um, for the, but here's the thing. Repent and be washed. That's what the word means in the Greek. Be baptizo, be washed, be dunked into water, be washed with water, poured on water, all those things. Be washed, every one of you, into Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, by means of, unto, how do you want to handle the preposition? In, in the Greek, they're fluid, but it always is going to be, on this one, pressing like toward baptism and the forgiveness of sins are the exact same thing. I said it. You just, if you put the text out, they're all like this, every single one of them. And you just let the English work. It's really hard to say baptism's any other thing than salvation, life, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit's work. Resurrection, too. It's that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, 
I feel like an idiot having to explain it, but I know people are going to argue about it too. Well, it doesn't mean that. Okay, sure. <laughs> Be baptized for the remission of sins. There it is. It, you know, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And then you want to know if it's for your kids too. Well, first, you don't even have to go further to this. I mean, he says it's for your kids. But really, so, so if you're going to accept that baptism is the remission of sins, and now you're going to tell me that a baby cannot receive the remission of sins because he can't think yet? What kind of pagan are you? I mean, you aren't, brother. We're going to rise from the dead, but you think like one. You act, talk like one. You read the Bible like one. Like it ain't real. Like it's just a game in your head. Eh. The word children here, I believe, is paideion, which can be pedo as in infant. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's effectively very, very young children. This is not like uh, techna, you know, you know, little kids. Um, you know, this is for you and your smallest word we have for children. That's not the word embryo, you know, and, and to all that are far off is like not Jews too, which is pretty sweet. Even as many as our Lord of God shall call. And that's Jesus himself. So, uh, your uncle, however, is not going to be convinced by watching this video. Please do not just show him my video or send it to him and say, see, watch this. Now I understand. He'll just get mad and he won't like you or me. Uh, and we don't need that. Um, but also know that he is not going to just take this verse and change. He is a deeper, psychosocial, traumatic childhood upbringing experience that is, frankly, tormenting him. And baptism would free him from that. Let's not call it a D word. Let's just call it an S word. Um, he'd be freed from that spirituality. Uh, and, and he doesn't want to be. Because the tormentor who torments you is you. You like hating yourself. So it's a lot easier to do without baptism. Really. Baptism makes it tough. It's like a helmet on your head. And the heat of him, la machal, ungoloth, shate, shakalin. And no, that was not Klingon. I promise. Absolutely no Klingon. Jay says this You have the best shade of blue on you and the wall behind. What does this blue signify? And you're not talking about the Mach 5? Ah. Oh. Mach 5 is pretty sweet. You're talking about in the sermon, such a great angle, isn't it? No. Uh, in, in the iPhone uh, stream sermons from church. So what you just got there behind me on the wall is a pyramid from, hmm, that one is from Agnes Day Printing. I think, no, uh, it might not be. Uh, yes, it is. It's one of them. We bought a bunch from a couple of different places all at the same time. I think that one's from, no, it's, it's Ad Crucem. It's Ad Crucem. A-D space C-R-U-C-E-M, Ad Crucem. Uh, and these are our Advent banners. So what you can see in that blue is the star of Bethlehem. It is over a little green bud. That green bud's a, a green flowering plant coming up from a stump and the roots are kind of going out on the bottom of it. But that green flowering plant has also got sprigs coming out. So it's a cross. Right, so you have a cross growing out of the stump of Jesse, right? The, the shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse under the star of Bethlehem. On the other side, we have a... Um, uh, a set, they're matching banners and they're gorgeous. There's one that looks like an advent wreath. So you effectively see the three can or the four candles, the three blue and uh, the one rose or pink. Fuchsia. Um, <laughs> mauve. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 but what I love about it is that the, the wreath itself is a crown of thorns. It's a crown of thorns. Uh, so you got the advent wreath on the crown of thorns and you got the shoot coming up from Jesse as the cross. And yeah, that's our advent pyramids from Ad Crucem. We got some other ones as well. Our Reformation ones have a sword and fire on them. It's awesome. So there you go. All right. We had a super chat. Let's see here. 
I'm come over here for a moment. I know we had a super chat come through at some point. Ah, Cringe Walker's back. Hey, Knight Anakin Cringe Walker. Uh, he says, I love Luther's Matthew 24 commentary. He goes at length on what is meant men will faint with fear near the end. How all our technology and fashions and trade will make us into frightened lemmings. Yeah. yeah, although he thought the end was when he was, right? He thought the end was his time and what they were doing with their techna. Uh, and so... What techna yet have we to find? That'd be my question. Uh, so thank you for that. I'm going to come back over here. And we've got Scott. With a little bit of a longer one here. Says this. Mm, I need some water for this one. Hang tight. We'll just do this. Um, Wrong button. There we go. Hi, Pastor. I'm hoping you might. Oh, baptism. Yes, indeed. Back on it. I'm hoping you might be able to help on the subject of Mark 16 and whether verses 9 through 20 were added after the original was written. And the answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> although there are good Lutherans like Dr. Kuntz, who I trust almost impeccably, uh, and uh, his answer is no. And that's the good news is it doesn't matter. And specifically because there's only two places in the whole history tradition of the Bible where this is the case and neither of them change anything substantially to get rid of anything that is true. So, if they're later editions, no problem. If they're original, still not really a problem. So I think they're not original in both this and John 8. I think in both cases, it does extreme damage to the actual text in terms of what its real final point is. That is, the author has done a great job of bringing his work of confession to a concluding moment he wants you to hear, or is bringing you to that in the case of John 8, and you have a, a, a bad ending scripted on, a bad version of Matthew scripted on at the end, 200 years later with different Greek, seems like. And um, and we'll talk more about that. And then, or in John 8, you would just have this insertion into the middle of the days that messes the week cycle up for the, the Feast of Lights, uh, pre-Hanukkah. Um, so, uh, so I think both of these large injections textually display a, a later hand, yeah? Um, but let's talk about how you learned about this and who taught you this, right? Because this is where this stuff gets so deadly and dangerous. By the way, if you want the answer, the conservative Christian answer to all this is called the Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce. I'll say it again. The Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce. It is not a difficult read. You Anybody can pick this one up. It's really, really good for certainty with regards to where'd the Bible come from and why should I trust it to be what Jesus said? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really top-notch scholarship at an accessible level. Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce. Um, rather than some Bart Ehrman book, which again, you're going to mention Ehrman, I think. Uh, maybe you don't. Uh, so, I wasn't aware of this argument, right, that Mark 16, 9 through 20 uh, is potentially not original. Yes, I got my negative. Thanks for coming by. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't aware of this until spending holiday hours uh, with an agnostic relative who brought up the Gospel of Mark and how scholars like, oh, there he is, critic Airman, uh, a.k.a. Bart. Hey, Bart, how you doing? Uh, Bert. Hey, Bert. Uh, does anybody know? Uh, hey, Bert. Uh, <laughs> and even Daniel. Um, uh, Daniel Wallace seemed convinced verses 9 through 20 were added some centuries after Mark wrote the gospel. Yeah, even Jonathan Fisk, right? Uh, he's convinced of this. Uh, Concordia commentary on Mark even seems to agree along with the notes. Yep, uh, Veltz does agree with this too. Uh, the only one I've met, actually, who I respect yet, I'm sure there are more. I'm definitely sure there are more, uh, amongst the LCMS at least. Uh, but the only one I've met again would be Dr. Kuntz. He'd give you the argument. Uh, and although he didn't really... 
he can usually convince me. I, I, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so he, uh, Scott goes on with this. I understand that much of what is in verses 9 through 20 can be found in the other Gospels. Yes. So like on a, oh no, the sky is falling. No, it really isn't, right? Okay, so there was some textual, potential textual hootenannery sometime in the third century with some copies of some texts of one Gospel. Oh, okay. Like, like it's, it shouldn't be that big a deal, really. Um, anyway, uh, so you are not overly w- worried about that, but your main concern is as an LCMS Lutheran verse, yes, sixteen, sixteen. he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Yeah, so there's your sticky wicket, right? The, the, it is a red herring, but it's a sticky wicket too. Excuse me, when I drink my water during break, then like, what, three and a half minutes later, I have to release a small amount of carbon dioxide. It's not even carbonated. I don't know. Any case, uh, this verse, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, uh, is quoted in the small catechism of Dr. Martin Luther, which is a confessional standard and symbol of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and really all Lutherans everywhere, if you are one. Um, and, uh, and so it is an interesting thing that he's going to prove his theology of baptism on a verse that <gasps> isn't in the Bible. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Right. And, and so that's it is a concern, though, because someone who doesn't armed with the knowledge is going to be thrown off by this. And I, so I get it. Um, yeah. So I thought this phrase was essentially repeated elsewhere in Scripture specifically, right, you're saying, uh, but using Strong's, I think it is only this verse that gives us this clarity, so I'm going to just really disagree with you. This verse isn't even that clear, uh, I don't think. I think it's not, it's by far not the best verse for this situation, and I'm surprised that Luther didn't pick a different verse. I know why, in fact. I can tell you why he did not pick 1 Peter 3.21 instead of this verse. It's because Luther believed that the Gospels were of a higher value than the Epistles. Not that they're not both inspired and inerrant, but you always kind of give the place of pride to the Gospel. And so he did that rather than to 1 Peter, a, a, um, a later book. Canonical, for sure. And, and definitely from the hand of the Apostle. Um, but in the history of understanding the revelation of Jesus, not the first source, right? So that's probably why. But we'll come back to First Peter 3, I hope, here in just a moment. Uh, first, with what you said, though, um, uh, Luther used the verse in 616 in the Small Catechism, which raises the question of whether he was aware of the apparent contradiction with the early manuscripts and if he wrote on the matter. Of course not. <laughs> so, like, the current manuscript tradition is the golden flowering, right? the, the study of this, the archaeology, the science behind it all, is the golden flowering of, like, 400 years of Renaissance scholarship in Europe, in which Luther was the enemy of the guy who started it all, Erasmus. Erasmus, what he did that Luther did not argue with him about, he argued about free will. Erasmus thought you had it. Luther said, you don't believe in God. (laughs) Uh, That's a different topic, but it's kind of how that math works out when you really boil it all down. Anyway. Uh, Erasmus, what he did though, like professionally, besides being famous, because he was he was like a Kardashian only in the church. Uh, he was a Kardashian because he was really smart and could could be clever. So he's more like late night talk, and and yet he was also very real. So he devoted himself as a wizard of sorts to giving the first critical edition of the Greek New Testament, like ever. Before that, you just had copies, all sorts of copies, and then you had like the Latin Vulgate which Luther knew was wrong. So, you know, this this edition, this this critical edition, this manuscript that Luther had was what he had. It's what he used. It was it was groundbreaking. It, it was it was top notch. It was way ahead of the game. Like history needed this to happen so that he could do this. Okay? So he could put the Bible into German. So that would revolutionize uh, all sorts of other things. <laughs> yeah? Um 
So, and we're still kind of playing off the dark side of that fall in some ways. Uh, although Britannia, Britannia, anyway. <laughs> so, no, he was not aware of this at all. No, if he was, he would not have chosen that verse. Um, or he would have had long arguments about why the verse is authentic. Um, maybe he does, and I don't know about it. I'm pretty sure he does not. Uh, so, uh, Scott continues, I hope you can send me in the right direction for a better understanding of this. FF Bruce can of scripture. And maybe you have already written or done a video on the matter, though I didn't have any luck searching. Yeah, good luck, because the white noise hides it. And unless I'm going to spend my life cataloging YouTube, cataloging YouTube, which I'm not going to do, uh, <laughs> someone commented on my Podbean channel too, like, you should really put more organization, yeah, 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 into the internet. I should spend more time organizing the internet. You go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> Jeez. There's nothing we can do. Catch it while it's out there. If you aren't, if you aren't keeping it um, and downloading it, don't expect to be able to find it uh, if it's mine. You know, if you're, if you're not paying, that's it. Organic search is dead. It is pay to play. Write it down. Make a note. Okay? You want to you build a business? You want to think about your church's future? You want to think about your internet website or whatever? Organic search is dead. It is pay to play, which actually means you're, you, you don't really even need a website <laughs> as a church. I, not now. I mean, you can have one. It, it'll help a little bit. Um, but what, word of mouth is going to be way more valuable. Anyway, so so back to the, the issue of the, where, where it ends though, right? So, and sorry, back to the issue of 1 Peter 3. So what Luther is trying to show is that baptism is salvific, as I said before, in a declarative sense. That God's salvation is not first experienced physically in a way other than hearing and or at the same time getting wet. (laughs) Uh, And even then you're still hearing. Uh, Not that the hearing is the baptism alone. Um, But to realize that, that none of us ever come to Christ aside from the physical reality of hearing his words as real words through time and space, or you could say reading them is still on paper. The light is still in paper and material all start part of this reality. It's a physical reality. For God to save you in such a way should not then surprise you since he only saves you in this way. He only saves you by his sound or the mean of his words via light coming to you. So why does it surprise you that he would come to you again and give you more sound that also says the water the sound brings with it or that you should add to it is a reminder. A potent reminder given that it's from the word of God which is eternal. So this temporal water is now eternal water not by itself. I wouldn't keep it and throw it against a ghost. I just pray about ghosts. (laughs) Water. Uh, But... While it was being poured on the head, it was the declared promise of God from on high. I made that case from Acts just a moment ago. I don't need to. I don't need Mark six for this. So what Mark six then says is very interesting: that he who believes and is baptized will be saved. My favorite part about this is this is also the verse that free will Baptists use to try to say that you have to believe before you're baptized. He who believes and his baptism will be saved. See, it's that order. You have to do it. If that goes away, what I love is that the other verse in Matthew, it puts baptism before belief. (laughs) Baptizing and teaching. Wait a minute. Maybe this one doesn't work that way at all then. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Uh, But but that being said, uh, it is interesting that that argument then just is kind of gone. You can't really point to this for that. You couldn't anyway, uh, although you try. But where you can point to that's not already in the catechism is Romans chapter 3. I was, sorry. 
1 Peter chapter 3. Romans chapter 6 is already in the catechism. And if you want after or with Acts chapter 2, the real text to put on your desk in front of you when you're trying to like stop being an idolater and let the word of God speak to you about baptism, you want Acts chapter 2 and you want Romans chapter 6 side by side. And then I'd keep 1 Peter 3 there just so you don't cheat because you'll want to cheat. Okay, And the word saves is a really, really important word. But it's not as big a section and it's a little more complicated because it talks about the flood as a symbol. And that makes everything get weird in the exegesis of the thing. So it's not like you can't understand it, but you can easily misunderstand it if you're busy just trying to misunderstand it. So what's harder to misunderstand will be Acts chapter 2, the text we just looked at, and Romans 6 just sitting there. Like, just, and just try to figure out what they're talking about when they say the word baptism. And you're going to, with Romans 6, you might have already heard the argument. Well, he's talking about a different baptism. So now you're not talking about a second baptism in terms of two water baptisms. You're talking about the spirit baptism, a whole different can of worms, four-square gospel, and all this made-up stuff. You just don't like the text, so you change it. What are you, Democrat? Oh, I didn't mean that. Sorry. Democrats who listen, I apologize. What are you, a Republican? Who get elected and just do whatever the Democrats do? (laughs) Just not in princes, people. Take it it with a grain of salt, because you are salt and light in the age of decay and darkness. Thank you for your question, Scott. I hope that that helped a little bit. I don't worry about it too much. I don't read through Mark 16, latter part, and teach it. I teach the women went away scared, and that that's what you're supposed to say is wrong. But wait, they didn't. Oh, but see, you know. You know. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. It's, It's art. It's okay for the Bible to be like rocking epic art. The four Gospels don't all have to be the same. Sorry, modern world clockwork. (laughs) Gears that always fit. Nope, Uh, not the scriptures. So uh, Ken says this, Pastor Fisk. Oh, here's a fun one. Yay. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to take a small break. I'm getting, I'm getting heated. I'm getting warm. I'm ready. No, not really. I just don't want to get too sweaty in the shirt. I'll be back in a moment. All right, we got enough going on. I want to be here. <laughs> if you're in the kitchen getting your uh, getting your your coffee or whatever, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to rewind and watch it. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of still here here to talk about, and we only got about three yeah, 35 minutes officially. So um, I want to keep digging, keep digging. Ken says this. Hey, Pastor Fisk, why is the LCMS seem, why does, I think, the LCMS seem to be the most afraid of the COVID and the most willing to lock down? The most? Wow. Um, I Now, let me just say, the LCMS is not a monolithic entity. There is a building in St. Louis that sends out information, and then there are districts in various regions that also mostly send out information sometimes, and then you have congregations that mostly do whatever they decide to do on their own. And And there may be, like, likelihoods or areas wherein they are more unified than otherwise. But as a whole, <laughs> we are not monolithic. We are we are so far from monolithic. Uh, so the LCMS cannot be the most afraid because the LCMS is not one thing. We're, we're, we're a very, very uh, splintered group of people who share a health plan and a political fight <laughs> with each other. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and we, we also do officially, as a church body, ordain people, send missionaries, uh, train pastors, and uh, then sometimes check on them after we send them off into the into the darkness. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we're doing the best we can. But then again, it's quite fragmented, as you're going to show here, right? So our local church is closed, except online due to COVID. So we were driving 30 minutes to the next LCMS congregation we could find. Well, good for you. I'd, I'd just join it then. Um, I'd, I really... Uh, they're the only open some Sundays for outdoor worship. Oh, well then, hmm, depending on the weather, winter is coming, is it not? So you ended up at Catholic mass on Chris. Well, I mean, 
I guess if the Christians are only going to be there, uh, it's disappointing. Uh, out of desperation, yeah, it's probably not the best decision. Although it'd be, it'd be pretty. I mean, they do a, they do a pretty job uh, usually. Um, depends on the place, I suppose. And and are going to be attending a Presbyterian church for a while uh, because all the LCMS churches in Northern California. Oh, did you say the Northern? That's California, Nevada, Hawaii. That's the missionary district. They're really forward thinking. They care about the people. Just see, they've done it for a long time and we don't understand what it's like to be out there doing the mission work they do. That's all I can tell you about that whole region. They are, they are, they're, they're, they're better than us in like a really pious way. And so whenever we say that they should stop jettisoning, jettisoning things like the inerrancy of scripture, they say, you know, you just don't understand the type of mission we need to do these days. And that's the California, Nevada, Hawaii, um, or the California district. So, um, yeah, it is a rough region. It, it, it may not have churches there, again, from the LCMS point of view, if they don't have a lot of money soaked up. I mean, maybe they do. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but it's going to be tough to stay open when you're not open. <laughs> uh, so uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking for the Presbyterian stuff again here. Um, if they are open, they have, you have to register for attendance. So your archers, you can register and go do. That's good. You can only register after Wednesday, and they're likely to cancel last minute. Oh, well, that's weird. Um, so what do we do? I guess we'll be Presbyterian for the next six months. Yeah, I, I highly recommend not doing that. Um, and I mean, there's Presbyterians and Reformed guys who watch. And I mean, if you don't mind people becoming Lutheran, then why aren't you a Lutheran? Um, oh, because we won't let you. <laughs> See, that's the thing. So uh, there's, there's a distinction there, right? There's a division. And it is about the Lord's Supper, which I was just making a big, big deal about a moment ago. And, you know, I wrote, I wrote, if there's any book you ever buy of mine that like I wrote because I had to, it it was this one without flesh. Uh, And it is about how the Lord's Supper is the only way your church is going to survive any of this stuff. But uh, so becoming a Presbyterian would mean more or less giving that up as an idea. And so I recommend instead planning. I've, I've said this before. It's the same answer every time planning vacation to go get the supper at a place that's faithful and then getting as much word into every day of your life as you can be the pastor of your house, be the, be the father of the house. Uh, you're going to do church on Sunday. You're going to do devotions in the morning. So everyone's going to pray before you leave or whatever. Get something going, get everybody on a schedule where they're reading some stuff together. That's far more important than playing clubhouse in Northern California right now. <laughs> and then plan your next vacation to go get the Lord's supper at a faithful church somewhere. Rockford is a long way away. Uh, so you'd have to move here and live here permanently and help me build the next great civilization or whatever. There's someone nearer to you than that where you can vacation there ah, monthly, quarterly. I don't know. That's what you're going to have to do. And if you can't find it, I mean, when I said move to Rockford, I'm not just doing it because I want people here because I have ideas. I honestly believe that there is a famine of the word of God. You can go find, if you look for my name on amazon.com, there's a book that comes up that I'm barely in it at all. I'm just in it as a little bit of an intro prologue thing. And I, uh, there's, <laughs> there were too many typos in my own work. So I'm disappointed in it and don't even promote it to people. But it's, it's about the Darth of preaching in the current Christian age. And my whole section is there's a famine of the word of God. Get ready. Okay, so well, if you don't know that text, it's in Amos. You should go look at it. It says there's a famine. It says that people are going to run from east to west looking for the word of God, and they will not be able to find it. In a post-industrialized, Christian as sales pitch, collapsing capitalist age, global empire, if your church is just hooked up to that, it is not going to make it through. Hmm. It's got to be 
something significantly more than just us and our friendship with each other and our belief in a better future or anything like that. It has to be the living, breathing Holy Spirit who only exists when the scriptures of Jesus Christ are allowed, spoken, and exposited, translate, elaborate, and activated in your hearing. And there is a famine of that, my friends. That's why you're watching. Nobody did this like 15, 20 years ago. Why are you doing this? You're hungry. That's why. So I'm telling you, you got a couple options. One is prepare sometime in the next 20 to 30 years to have to move for your church. I bought a house as a pastor planning to live in one spot until I die. And I am daily praying for the willpower to believe that if I have to lead an emigration of people away from Illinois due to starvation in 30 years, that I'm okay with it. And I'll leave my house that I'm going to love until I have to leave. So don't hear me saying, Rockford, Rockford. I'm saying, we don't know. But that if you can't find a church near you now, and you can't get one started right in the next two years, try. You got to move. <laughs> Somewhere. You got to. You got to feed yourself. Or, again, you work all year. You're the house father in the sense of you're the Lord of the home. You're bringing the word of God. You're teaching. You're devoting. You're praying aloud yourself like your life depends on it. And then once a year, you travel to a different continent so you can get the sacrament. Because while baptism is indeed necessary for salvation and a layman should indeed perform it in a situation where they cannot find a pastor, you can't survive for generations without the Lord's Supper. It's been done. Check out Latvia, Russia. Uh post-Soviet bloc kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're reading, uh, uh, well, now I lost his name, Rod Dreyer or Dinesh D'Souza, I mean, they're all saying communism's coming. So I'm not saying it's coming for sure, but I am saying that the famine's already here. And to, to just kind of, <sighs> to hope it's going to get better before it is having the impact it's supposed to have, which is the tearing down of the idols, which are the institutions that we think are going to save us from death. Um, I think that's nearsighted. Uh, there was a great email from Dr. Jerry... I can't believe I'm going to say it. Dr. Jerry Kieschnick sent out a really good email. I don't even get his email, but it got forwarded to me by somebody. And I was like, this is pretty good. Now, if you don't know Jerry Kieschnick, don't worry about it. But there's some like, there's some old blood there for the LCMS, I'd say. And uh, he, most people are probably not reading his blog as tightly as they could be, but he, he clearly is still doing this daily or weekly thing. And it was all about COVID. And it was it was pretty good. It was pondering how we're supposed to ponder. In fact, I thought he was more radical than me on a couple of things he said. The only place I really disagree with him is that he said this could be, COVID could be from God. I'm not sure what happens in the world that God doesn't let happen, right? That isn't from God. I think that's the the meaning of the book of Job. I, I get it that not everyone's into like reading Job and understanding it because it means you are going to increase in your awareness of suffering in your life. It's already there, but you're just going to be aware of it now. But the thing is, that's also the path to knowing, I almost did it in like real time, that pain can't hurt you. (laughs) I mean, it can, but it can't. Uh, Not as a Christian. It can't. All it can do is crucify with your Lord. And your faith is going to go right with his. Hmm? I shouldn't have put that in my mouth, but it tastes awful good. 
I really want to swallow it now. That's why I chew on it. Mm, mm, mm. So, why is it though? Here's your. Here's a better question at the end, Ken. Mm. I'll get it later. Mm, mm, mm. Why is it that some churches are closing? Some churches are kind of closing. Some churches are not closing at all. Why is it that some cities, some states, some countries are all displaying the same fragmentation? Bipolar. Hmm. It, why is that indeed? And let me just suggest that whenever something that is not from the Bible splits people in a church from each other, one of them has the Bible and the other doesn't. Yeah, like if there's some that continue and there's some that stop, that's a that's a bad red flag. Like, pivot, pivot. If you're in that box, don't get mad at me. <laughs> Whatever, get mad at me. Go for it. Have fun. Uh, yay for you, rage machine. But like, the fact is, you got to turn this thing around. Right? You got to turn it around. What are you going to put back that you have taken away? Oh, speaking of, this was a nice one, but this one also gets me a little heated actually. So here we go. Um. Thoughts and prayers to you, Pastor Fisk, your family, and your congregation. It must be shocking time to live in Rockford. Really? Um, I know that whatever response you've made will be the righteous one. Well, buckle up. Uh, <laughs> I've been so cheered and impressed by truths you speak about your videos, uh, in your videos, particularly about vocations and callings. Uh, this has clarified my thoughts. However, I just got rocked a bit by a book entitled Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted the Faith and Fractured a Nation. Uh, the gist of it, as far as I can tell, is that male evangelicals are hypermasculine warmongers who aren't worried about torturing people while conducting preemptive wars. Um, that sounds really fascinating. Uh, I want to get to the other bit of this. <laughs> I contrast this with your work in encouraging Christian masculinity and affirming and bonding males through scripture, reading Psalms, amen, and becoming involved in the Sons of Solomon, amen. Uh, I believe that your views are Bible-based. Well, I certainly make that effort, I will say. Um, and I was just surprised at the virulence attached to this issue by the female author, uh, perhaps there are two Americas. Yeah, pretty much. I, I get, did I, didn't I just say that? I wasn't even trying to lead into that. Um, P.S. Uh, there was also a backhanded slap down to evangelical wives who are supposed to be enablers and all this. Uh, we should all be Lutherans as uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller says. Judith. Okay, so the shocking thing about living in Rockford, I thought you would say more about that because I didn't read all that to the end. But thank you for all the very good words about what we should be doing is that we had this thing in Rockford this past week that the news globally called a mass shooting. I learned about it right away. Uh, I follow my lo local news on Twitter, even though they're pretty useless usually. And their, their story on this was abysmal. Typos everywhere. It was just pathetic. 23 WR, you guys are terrible. Absolutely pathetic. Just lapdogs and incompetent, illiterate ones, apparently. Because this, here you had something. You, this is a, this is a story. It is a story. I follow the news, because there's a shooting in Rockford every week or every three to four days. Someone's in the hospital or someone's dying. It is a violent city. I don't live in that part of it, although I want to get there. <laughs> you want to move to Rockford and help me? Uh, there's a shooting once a week. They're isolated areas. They're generally domestic violence or drug-related, like South Chicago, because what is Rockford but the export for the South Chicago uh, overflow? Basically, a lot of the welfare gateway corridor comes right out here and then shoves them over into Iowa. 
um, kind of thing. You're welcome, Iowa. As Des Moines noticed, uh, what Chicago's been up to <laughs> for a long time now. Um, in any case, uh, so those those violent events are happening all the time. And I, I watch the Twitter feed and I pray for them. And usually the information is very, very small. It's like, you know, we don't even know. And they died. We don't even know. And they didn't die. But usually it's uh, what you would call uh, black on black violence. Uh, it tends to be the case, although there's also quite a bit of white on white violence amongst the Rockford uh, hillbillies. And if you're offended by that, I'm, I'm, I'm a West Coast hillbillies. Whatever. Be offended. Um, <laughs> so but then this... This isn't even Rockford. This guy's some active duty military guy from Florida shooting up a a small bar in a large building that's mostly closed. People he does not know at all. And now I love that they finally, this is more news here than they had the first. First, it was just no information about him. They didn't even dig. Here is Duke Webb 37 will undergo mental health evaluations. Anybody ever, ever watched that movie, Winter Soldier? So check this out. The only time I've ever been in the room where this happened. It's a bar. It's pretty small. It's on a second story. It's hard to find. It's in a bowling alley. It's hard to find. The only time I've been there was when the Republican train for this last election came through Rockford and held their rally there, to which, I don't know, 50 people came. 150 people came, something like that. Pretty small inside, but open windows, COVID, all that, yeah? Um, they were pretty vocal there about not liking South Chicago. You know, where Obama came from and stuff. I, 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 tinfoil hat, sure, fine. This was not a Rockford mass shooting. That's, that's all I got on this. This was not a Rockford mass shooting. This is a out-of-the-state military effect. Straight up. On purpose, I don't care. What kills me, what makes me angry, that's how Rockford makes the news? Why don't you cover the black-on-black crime every single week, the shootings that are going on every single week? He didn't shoot black people or we'd be rioting. There was a black Republican at the event, young man, proud of him showing up, speaking his mind. God bless him. This, Bucky. Look at him, he's Bucky. (laughs) What world do you live in? Rockford's fine. Most of my people don't even know what happened. The news doesn't even cover it very well. It's like, oh, that happened last a couple weeks ago. Gaslight! Trump! No one even knows. My, we're all shut down. <laughs> it was shut, we were shut down! There's like 25 people that shouldn't have been there. In a, anyway. I don't know who, who got shot. I don't know. I have no idea. But what I do know is that privately owned small business, right in like the last thriving thing in that area, really, <laughs> place you're supposed to take your kids yeah uh rob says uh my pastors have also mentioned over the years fatherhood is under attack so many aspects of our relationship with god are as father and child i am going to love on this question by doing this we're gonna go right here fast i was gonna take me a second uh uh <laughs> i want to get that on this angle. So we're going to, we're going to close up with this big topic here. It's a big one. Take one second. Oh, hello. How is everyone doing today? I need to go here and here and here and drag it over here. Aha. Yes. That kind of did it. Ugh. Ugh. Thanks for bearing with me, everybody. Here we go. Sweet. My pastors. 
This way? Does this help? Is that more like normal? I'm looking at it kind of. My pastors have also mentioned over the years, fatherhood is under attack. So many aspects of our relationship with God are as father and child. But when that is the case, and so many of us carry scars our entire life from fathers, how do we accept God the Father in light of that? This is such a good question, by the way. It is such a good question. How do you love God when the face of God is rage? Which is what I'd say most American fathers have given their sons as their identity. Um, mothers have given them fear. Fathers have given them rage, uh, by and large. So how do you learn to see the true God? Right? It's such a good question. Um, the, the vocational, when you say it here, the next you say it, you mean like the vocational scars punish us before we're even out of the gate. The devil attaches blinders to our eyes and we see that the dev- what the devil wants us to see, not that the father is good and true and loving and kind and yearns to be with us and his, as his children. I would say like as fathers, we probably have, I know I have trouble imagining the desire to be with my children. I want to be with my devices instead, right? And so uh, there is a, a di- diabolical reality going on there that I don't just find joy in my children. And that is the, the obscuring of fatherhood by the media age. That, that's my biggest hate of it right now. Um, but we run from him in fear, uh, the father in heaven. And so this is inexorably continuing in our world today. You have, me, uh, given something to ruminate on to inwardly digest with the help of the Holy Scripture and the Holy Ghost, how poorly I have done in my relationship with my father and my own sons. And that's the thing I see right now. Uh, own it, own it, own it. Uh, I'll get, uh, I, I'll need the gospel soon enough. You have the gospel. Don't, don't get into this nonsense bipolar dialectic where you have one or the other. You have them both. Stand on the law, believe the gospel. Uh, uh, believe the gospel. I'll need it soon enough, but I'm seeing law right now. Yeah, good, and it convicts, good. It's always there. It's, it's, it's there to be a brace. And the brace is going to hurt, especially when you try to get outside of it, right? But it needs to be there. Um, but that doesn't mean the gospel is not there as a separate word. You don't balance them. There's two different realities and they exist simultaneously. Uh, as in, I need the word to have its way with me even more. And that's both law and gospel, man. Don't even jeopardize it by saying just law. It's, it's Torah, it's revelation, it's the whole beast, the full prophetic fulfillment that is Jesus, is law and gospel. One word, two declarations, one Early creation fallen, one new creation already here, okay? Uh, so, yeehaw. As in, I need the word to have its way with me even more than ever that I do not threaten my son's salvation through my inadequacy. Own it. Iniquity. Own it. And abil- inability. Own it. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. <sighs> Thank you for your ministry. Godspeed, Rob. I want to talk about uh, when the image of the father is, is uh, screwy. Right, when the image of the father is off, um, but I also want to talk about ah, seeing your sons as your ultimate video game, your ultimate project. Like your sons, men, are your responsibility. Your daughters are too, but your wife's gonna kind of do that one, just by being there, unless she's terrible, and then you're gonna have to help her. Okay, but, but that was your decision, really. Um, maybe not, I suppose, but generally, yeah, I don't do theology by exception. <laughs> uh, your wives can't raise your sons for you guys. Now I got five and number four is the boy. So I cheated for the first three and then the boy started to come of age and I, everyone's like, what is going on? He's an animal. And I was like, Oh, he must become a man now. And then I realized 
but I haven't become one yet. I missed, I missed my bar mitzvah. Wait, wait, there was this comfort. It didn't seem like you let me grow. Well, I was still a boy. So anyway, that's my journey. Did I do it yet? Own it. Own it. I'll tell you the answer. You're a man when you realize that being a man is just realizing that no one else knows what they're doing. <laughs> they're all making it up too. And so you should stop like assuming they know what they're doing and waiting for them to help and instead just do what needs to get done. Now, if there's other men who know what's going on, you can talk and stuff, right? But like, if they don't know what's going on, then they're fools and you don't want to talk to them or you want to make sure they don't impact the actual results of building the bridge or fighting the war because then we all die. So, now that's my journey again <laughs> to grow up uh, over this Christmas so that I could realize my son is the only project I have in this life that matters. And, ladies, if you're going to get upset, my daughters are sons of God and Jesus Christ. I'm not really worried about them being tremendous projects. I'm just going to acknowledge that vocationally, at the end of the day, the finishing touch is in their mother's hands. And it's not so the case with the bit of mud called my boy. Uh, that, that boy is, is all me, all me, lots of me. He's got her good looks and voice and things like that. But like, the man in him has got to become a man. And so I have to give him an image. This is the point, right? He sees me no matter what. Who does he see? And that's just, the game is, guys, Christian men with sons, this is your, more important than any next whatever's coming out on whatever platform. The game of who does your son think you are? He lives with you, so you can't really cheat. He's going to know who you are. Are you going to let the world tell him what that means? Are you going to do it? We're not prepped for this. We're not ready for this. But it's... <laughs> It's got to be done. I'll tell you what I did. I made, we homeschool. I made my kid move his desk into my room by my desk. Because <laughs> I'm so bad at it. That if he's not constantly present, I won't be distracted from my workaholism to go deal with him and help him learn how to not do it like I do it. <laughs> huh? And I do this with full knowledge that when I think of the Father in Heaven, your question about trauma is indeed one I feel. Now, I don't have to go into that in any kind of detail. But I'm pretty confident that, by and large, anybody who grew up on TV does not have the right image of the father. You just don't. And it doesn't have everything to do with your father. But what your father did hurt more because you were traumatized by TV. So the emotions that you didn't even know how to feel yet, they were just being buried deep in your cortex of watching like people die in explosions and things. All of that then got told, turn it off, shut it down, right? Too loud. And then you're like, oh, that's the real world. And like that all goes inside you, your body. And you never have a chance to process it or think about it. No one teaches you just to like breathe. And sometimes they let you run. You see where I'm at here? So then how do you repurpose the image of the father? Here's how I've been doing it, man. I got a little note card. I got a bunch of little note cards. I got one little note card that comes up more often than the others. I keep it toward the top. And it says this. It says, Sons of great fathers do not fear. Write that down by itself. There's more you can say about it. But just let that be it. Sons of great fathers do not fear. Are you afraid? Then your father wasn't great. Own it. 
not his fault. It doesn't have to be his fault. And I mean, he should own it like it's his fault. You're not, you're not blaming him. You're going to own it. I'm afraid. My father's not great. But then, right after that happens, I remember that my father is. First off, my actual earthly father did point me to Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian because he, he baptized me with his own hands. And he, against procedure, but yeah. <laughs> it still counted. Uh, so, he did that. And then, frankly, he's not even my real father then, is he? My real father is my father in heaven. And Dale, uh, he's just a, an earthly reflection. Humble, broken, like the rest of us. So whatever kind of actual trauma in his pattern from his father that I got, that I got to break off with my kid, like, that doesn't matter nearly so much. As remembering that, you have a great father, even if your earthly father isn't that great. So yeah, sure, the symbol, the archetypes screw away in your head. You know how you fight back? Turn off the bad archetypes and create some of your own. Get some images of the father that you will be able to aspire in and trust. Now, I am very fortunate. I've carried around a picture of my father for years. It was taken of him when he was very young. It's a black and white photo. He was a choral director. He was a church choral director. So he had sort of like a, a professional level expectation of life for himself and yet never really was going to be in Carnegie or anything like that. But the picture of him as a young man directing makes him look like he's in Carnegie. And for that picture to sit on my hearth, pointing up to the crucifix, for me to tell my son that whatever we know about grandpa or don't know about grandpa, he's a good man, he's a Christian, he's a bad man, he's a sinner... Look what he pointed us to. And I told my son, I want my picture right next to his when I'm dead, if I do it. <laughs> and I want your sons the same, and I'm telling your sisters that if you don't do it, your picture doesn't get up there. Because they outrank you when they go four against one. That's how the Guardians of the Galaxy works. Yes, my son, you are the son of Star-Lord. <laughs> it's that bad, isn't it now? So you have to get a new image. So I put that image there of my father singing praise to Christ, which he has always done to counteract whatever trauma I have in terms of misplaced fatherly imagery and archetypes from the entire experience of the global hegemony, Babylonian white noise of everything. And then, with this, I rebuilt that image to immediately descend into the kingship of Jesus Christ as the way I see the Father. I am never going to see the face of the Father. He dwells in inapproachable light, but God, the only God, Jesus Christ, has made him known. And Jesus Christ, I know, looks like two things. He looks like a guy who's got wounds still in his body from when we did this to him, and he looks like a king. And that one's kind of up to your imagination. I mean, however you want to do it. But what I have begun to do is begun collecting imagery of super awesome, masculine, reigning heroes. And then filtering and crafting my own biblical text built up imagination of what my king, my lord, my liege looks like, acts like, thinks like. Well, it's not my imagination anymore, though, because it's what he says in the scriptures. But that I'm allowing that to be impacted by intentional art, intentional pictures. Not all Christian, right? I mean, what is this? Mach 5. <laughs> what does that mean? But it, for me, it's part of the growth. What does it mean to fight a big dragon in an arena? This part of the growth. Okay? The archetypes are our archetypes. The only question is, what's your main story? And if your main story is the World Bank story, again, you're going to have a lot of trouble with the Christian architects right now. You really are. You're not going to be able to deal with a father, a man. You're going to need a strong woman instead. 
because that's what we've been trained for. Uh, so anyway, Jupiter and Saturn just passed. Maybe we're all going back the other way. I, I don't know. But what I know is this. I'm not the only man who just woke up. No. And so when it comes to then your son, okay? So I said, sons of great fathers do not fear. And I began to address my own fear. Here's the other side of it. As soon as my son looks at me and I see fear in his eyes, I realize I'm not a great father right now. I can get mad about it. I probably will. But at least I know who to be mad at this time. And I can try to tell him, you know what, dude? Right now, I'm being a jerk. This is not the way you want to do this to your kid. So hang tight. Hang on. Let me go work through this. I'll be back. We're going to talk this one through. Because you don't need to be afraid of me, man. And you don't need to be ashamed right now. So you're guilty, but let's, let's deal with it like men later. Okay? Yeah. All right. Cool. That kind of thing. Because what I don't want to do is just rage on the poor kid. Rah, rah. How could you be like this? He's nine. That's how. He's 11. That's how. Right? No, he's nine. <laughs> I don't want you to know. Shh. Jeez. Um, so, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. What I want to do is give you just a touch of my book. Talk them into it before we go out of here today. If they hate you. That's just what they said, what happened. By the way, you can get Talk Them Into It free by signing up for Mad Mondays. Mad Mondays, we deep dive every week all the best information that we can find and or random stuff we can find. We try to test and see where the sources are, make sure nothing too wiggy is getting through to put it through a Christian filter and help you discern in the midst of the white noise today. Mad Mondays, sign up for it at RevFist.com. Click newsletter. By the way, while you're there, if you want a question answered by me on the air, click contact. There you go. This book, though, you can also buy on Amazon.com. Not real happy with their quality. Amazon, you guys are cheap. This is just junk. This is junk right there. Um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. If you want to help me build a clothing company, we will then turn it into a publishing house somehow. But we're going to read from the free book in uh, that you can get, again, just by signing up for the newsletter. Uh, page 33. Talk them into it. If they hate you, that's just what Jesus said would happen. So get used to it. <laughs> I love myself a note last night that was like, this is something I don't like. End it now. It was like my own personal behavior, right? Small. It's like like an, an inclination I have on a regular basis about a certain event I don't want to do. And so this is not tolerable. End it now. Not the event, just the way I feel, right? Get used to it, dude. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what kind of fantasy you think this world is. Uh, life is not fair, and thank God, or we would all already be burning in hell. Now, what's not fair is for you to whine about it every time you have to suffer a little bit of public shame, as if anything in life were actually about you and your feelings to begin with. Your feelings are a gift from God, all of them, even the hurt ones. But your feelings are not life. They are not even you. They are a way that you feel, for the moment usually. The moment of shame when someone scolds you and shames your person because you have said something that Jesus said is to say, said to say, is just that. <laughs> I'll say that again. The moment of shame when someone scolds you and shames your person because you have said something that Jesus said to say is just that. A moment in which they hate Jesus so much that their religion demands that they hate you too. He's risen. You're paid for. You're immortal now. You won't be long anyway. 
The world is under the influence, but I'm here to rescue you. This is Saturday Morning Christian Chill, Mad Christian Style. I'm going to go for the last few moments here and uh, check out the comments on the side, see if I missed anything. Uh, we got that one super chat from earlier. There was another question from Cafe Sola way up here in the early goings. It said, resolutions, goals, is there a better way or a worse way or better terminology for what people are intending for the coming year? Should we resolve should we set goals is there a better way so that's awesome i gave up new year's resolutions 2000 1999 it was somewhere around like the magic numbers then like it's always magic numbers right but it was it was sometime around then and uh i gave it was my new year's resolution i'm not kidding i made the news resolution that i would never again be such a fool as to think i could change my life with the new year's resolution (laughs) and i haven't tried since all right so that's my answer Straight up right there, right? Uh, but then from that answer, I can say something else because I want to set goals. I set all sorts of goals. Uh, and I have learned something. I've said other places, but I'm going to say it again and maybe regularly because it's really worth pondering and holding on to for a while, which is that goals are basically wasted dreams. 99%. I don't do theology by exception. Goals are wasted dreams, especially in an age when they're trying to sell you so much stuff. Better just dream about it for a moment. Imagine it. It's probably better than what it really would be. And then move on. You know, it works, it's like the opposite of fear. Yeah. Uh, so dreams are, are excuse me, goals are wasted dreams, but there's more to this. We're not done yet. Uh, goals are wasted dreams. Dreams are wasted prayers. So if you really wanted to do something for the new year, it would be to go to the altar where you worship your God and plead plead that he would stave the dark winter, which seems like it's on its way. Pray that Sodom and Gomorrah would find ten righteous men within it. I think that's more important than giving up sugar for the year. Although, not a bad idea. If you're going to make a resolution, you might as well go carnivore and test it out. <laughs> see uh, see what happens in about three and a half weeks to your body. It's crazy what happens. Um, So, Setting goals is setting goals bad? No, but I, you know, I'm I'm increasingly convinced that yes, it can be, especially if it becomes sort of like your workaholic religion or the way by which you assess your value personally, whether an hour, whether a day. Time is a terribly misguided measure. It does not, it is not a constant, and all the physicists know this, even though they cheat with it. Uh, So why would you think that you could constantly control your time uh, every single day so as to create your future with a resolution? Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. And rather than having to be something where I beat you up over the head, oh, I wasn't pie enough. Pie is enough. No, 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 no. Far better than making lists of goals will be just to make lists of prayers. It would achieve the exact same end. You really don't use most of your paper planning when you actually go to do the work anyway. And so you know, you're just wasting time planning. <laughs> uh, instead, you should just pray and go do it. Uh, uh, so there's, there's, there's my answer for that one. Um, I'm going to scroll down further. There may be other questions kind of in the, in the chat here. Nope, not that one. It had a question mark, so I got pulled in. Let's see here. Vicky. Uh, was it Luther that said, if we know knew how many fiery darts the devil was shooting toward us, we would run to the altar of the sacrament, sacrament of the altar, other way around, as often as we could? Yes, I think he does say that. That might be in the large catechism. I mean, 
If we want to talk about things we don't believe in the Bible, you know, the devil and spirits and the proximity of darkness being something that is constantly assailing us, whether or not we are demonically possessed, which is rarer than more oftener, it doesn't mean that there aren't what spiritualities, thoughts, lies within your own very flesh that attack you, right? And so if you knew all the ways that you were set against yourself to destroy yourself in your own faith, you would, uh, you wouldn't miss a Sunday very often because <laughs> uh, you would see your need. You would see your need. You wouldn't think, oh, I'll be fine. I'm fine without God. And no, at the very least, you'd pack your Bible and your Sons of Solomon Psalms. Have you joined the Sons of Solomon? You should. Pod listener, like saying in, hello. I, no, I thank you for the comment. That was not a question. I don't know why I grabbed it. It looks like, it looks like, let's see. Greg says something. I would really like to help joining the Mad Christian Discord. I have Discord and need help joining it. Um, This is where, like, we're really bad. Like, I don't have a way to help you. There are people who can help you. Sometimes they watch this show. Uh, can't you just search for Mad PX? Look for Mad PX as as uh, as a word in your Discord search, um, or uh, send. Oh, duh. Send your information through redfist.com/contact. Say you would like to join Sons of Solomon. We'll get you hooked in right away. Duh. I have people. I have Frisbee the Hand and the Shadow Broker. What more can a man possibly need for helping you? Well. The network grows. The network grows. So, um, yeah, there is not really a, a link on the website that I'm aware of. And buying gold. Speaking of which, I mean, you know, crypto went up. Gold's not down. <laughs> it's up. Silver's way up. Uh, we live in tenuous times. So hard metals tend to increase in tenuous times. I don't necessarily think this is a long-term hard metal shift toward global monetary use. That is, gold is not about to become the new form of, uh, you know, black market exchange <laughs> already Bitcoin already is black market. The new form of not black market, but private exchange uh, globally and internationally, even between companies uh, as a platform or as a foundation, even if there's other cryptos built on top and all this kind of stuff, gold doesn't have that, right? So gold's going to go up and down based upon its, its perceived value as a safe haven during timeless times in which we expect the economy to return towards normal 8% trajectory, which is done since, you know, the 20s. And they say it'll go on forever, but 100 years is only 100 years. And I just started questioning a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, gold, the trick with gold is you can't eat it. But the good thing is you can carry it uh, long distances, very easy, and it lasts quite well. So, you know, you got a couple things there. Lead also lasts quite well, but harder to get a hold of than gold in some ways these days. Uh, Really, I mean, it costs less still, but harder to get and certainly per capita. Um, Ari Fight Club, Rob K says, Pastor was saying we need to have a place to compete at a physical level. I think this applies to intellectual level as well. Yeah, both. I mean, do you think that like, I don't know. I, I'm pretty confident that dojos are not just physical. I'm also kind of confident that prayer is not just spiritual. I mentioned earlier on the show, how's this one for fun? Tinfoil hat coming on. Here we go. I mentioned earlier. We're not even straight. Goodness gracious. I mentioned earlier. Uh, oh, now I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Hold on. Fight club. Spiritual. Um, prayer used to be physical. I mentioned earlier things that we took away 
and asked, how bad does it have to get before we start putting some of them back? You don't want to know? You want to know what nobody talks about we took away? I think before we started taking away a lot of the other stuff. I'd have to look and see when LCMS started allowing divorce. You know, and, and divorce is not the end-all be-all. Certainly there are, I'm not going to say that no, no divorce ever happens. There are, there are exceptions, again. But we accepted something about divorce and about procreative restriction technology. I'm not sure whether that was first or whether we took the kneelers out of the pews first. Prayer is physical. How bad does it have to get before you start wondering what we're doing wrong? Now, as I say that, I know, you got to know, there's nothing we can do to atone for what we're doing wrong. But to say that that's the reason not to try to do it right is what we call licentiousness. <laughs> you know, and that, that's what these, uh, these third users are always accusing, you know, the, the radical gospelists of. Uh, not me. Not me. Prayer is physical. The word, latruo, worship, means to put your face in the dirt. And the idea that everyone's doing it today like this, dancing at a party, right? Like, you, you, you're not worshiping. <laughs> if you're worshiping, you'd be on the ground. You'd be on the ground. You'd be kneeling. And, you know, and so, wait, wait, I go to worship and I sing songs. Well, that's great. That's a catechetical device. That's a tool for cultural building. That's not worship. Worship is when you fear God and beg his forgiveness. Straight up. You, you fall down on the ground. I don't deserve it. And this goes across the ancient world, across ancient religions. It's physical. The human awareness. What does Abraham do? You know, I just got a beautiful book on Noah I got for Christmas. What's he do as soon as God gives us poof, on the ground? What's Peter do? Poof, on the ground. Isaiah, poof, on the ground. And we come in and we're like, yep, I'm in God's house. So I'll put the money in. I'll count the money and I'll decide what the money gets done with. <laughs> right? Ah. Prayer is physical. Breathing is part of prayer. The nephesh, the spirit, uh, the Bible calls your soul. It's not disconnected from your breath. It's the same word, and it's part of prayer. If you pray out loud, you're, you're really praying. If you pray internally, you may, in fact, be lying to yourself. It's easier to do it. There's no, there's no check. It's just, it's just your imagination. As opposed to when you pray out loud, you have uh, science. You have, you have physical reality happening around you. The angels hear you. You think the angels are inside your head? Hope not. <laughs> Wrong angels. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, like, uh, prayer. Uh, try, try making it physical. Try breathing. Try praying out loud. Try getting on your knees or yoga mat. I love. I love. It's it's uh, mountain, and then just kind of straight stretch. Downward dog. Child's. Uh, uh, I got another one. I do after that. <laughs> Come on, Jonathan. Oh yeah. Well, and we do this one where it's like it's kind of a general stretch, and then uh, open like that, and it's the whole time. It's with some proverbs that have inspired the moment before I start breathing and working on it. I'm down on my forehead and that's about the time I'll start doing my Sons of Solomon prayers. And so it's physical. Does this make it more answered? No, it just makes me pay attention. <laughs> that's it. And it makes me spend time on it. You know, I could sit there and do a journal and just make my notes. Okay, it's very modern. Um, that's very not what people did like before printing presses, right? What they used to do was bow on the ground and acknowledge they're going to die. 
and that God is the one who has them. And so again, I, how long until we got to put things back? I love kneeling for prayer at church, by the way. I, I do. It hurts. I have to tell you why that's important. We're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. It is 1110. I'm over time. I'm scrolling for question marks in the comments to see one more reason. It's Stephen Bullington. Are you the real Stephen Bullington? Like from way back in the day, Stephen Bullington? That's really cool if that's you. Um, what is one to do when they get sent to a foreign country when there is no known LCMS presence or at least no way to get to an LCMS church? Right. Same thing we answered a little bit earlier, right? Which is make use of your Bible. Uh, get into the Sons of Solomon prayers and uh, start reading the Proverbs and get into a regular Bible reading schedule of your own. Then feed yourself daily with as much teaching as you can, whether it's my stuff, issues, etc. There is good stuff coming out of uh, 1517. You look at their 40 minutes in the Old Testament, even if you don't like Chad Bird, it's a gold mine of Old Testament knowledge. Uh, you know, so just find something like that, Fighting for the Faith episodes with Roseboro. Um or uh, Brian Wolfmuller's sermons down at St. Paul, right? You find somewhere to get a outside from your head teaching as much of it as you can. I mean, you got more videos to listen to from me than you got, you know, cows on the thousand hills, it seems. Um, and you can't find anything in any of them, right? <laughs> uh, and then you plan, you plan to uh, take your leave when you can. Yeah. Um, or I should have said this more clearly earlier, before you leave, you should pray about whether or not you're not supposed to start one where you are. And that doesn't mean you have to be the pastor. It just means you have to start talking to the Christians about what it would take to start a church to pray about having a pastor. <laughs> uh, you should start praying about that first. Is it right? Is that what I should do? Is, am I in a situation where that could happen? Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, should it? There are congregations that exist in the world that exist because there were a couple people there for like a couple years on duty and then they left and now we're trying to figure out how to keep the footprint. <laughs> it's a little different, right? Uh, so uh, you shouldn't see these things so much as institutions at this point, but so much as can you get to word and sacrament and you can get the word online. It is insufficient, but it is a, it is better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I would say. Um, being sent to a foreign country, I'm assuming this is military again. So you're kind of like, you're on patrol too. Yeah. You, it, it's a, it's a, it's a journey in the wilderness. It's a famine in the land and you're out on patrol and your patrol might be three to seven years. That's a rough one. Yeah. So, well, chaplains in the military do exist and the LCMS has a good percentage of guys there, or we did. Um, and, uh, you also, then you got to know what you're into. Take your food, have a Bible, read those Psalms and Proverbs, keep yourself in the new Testament. Remember the words of Jesus. Don't let Paul's work in Galatians and Romans be far from your mind, right? Keep that food coming. Go back and learn about David. Understand the days of the judges are the same days we live in. And you could be any of those guys. If you're not careful, you don't want to be Samson really. So like get into that on your own and then make your plans that whenever you are free, you get yourself some blood of Jesus down your throat straight up. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I don't mean to sound impious, but I, I, I don't know how else to say it to wake people up, right? Like we've been playing this nicety game. You got the blood of the living God in a cup. People are dying everywhere, apparently, or they're lying to us about it. Uh, you got you just got to get to it uh, when you can. Until then, you trust that Jesus and your baptism is sufficient. Uh, you're still listening. Uh, you're still uh, You're still believing because he did that. So keep believing that into those Psalms and then pray about what comes next. 
Uh, Vicky with a super chat. Thank you, Vicky. Says, Pastor Fizz, thank you for your shepherding. <laughs> Clearly on fire today. I don't know if I'm on fire today. I'm always on fire. <laughs> um, that's kind of the problem. That's why I get so tired all the time. I like burn and I... So um, that's why I'm always drinking coffee too, is to pretend that I have... Coffee doesn't wake you up. To pretend that I have some hope of not wearing myself out. Uh, I hear you, brother, says Rob. Godspeed with funny word that you can chew on. I have a good friend who is a chaplain. Uh, oh, did I pull the wrong one? I did. Oh, there's a question mark. Uh, yeah, go from That's about uh, chaplaincy. So that was more of an inside house commento. Let's see. Still scrolling for question marks. Oh, I got another one from Jedi Knight. Here we go. Uh, he says, uh, the word says Adam was made in God's image, but Seth was born in the image of Adam, not of God. The father has the responsibility of giving the son his image. We preserve God's image as fathers. Mm. Yeah, so um, there is the, the debate about the loss of the image of God is a storied one in which basically everybody disagrees with each other. So I'm going to say that, though, uh, as much as to be sure we are born in the image of, of Adam, uh, I'm going to say that Jesus Christ is now the image of God as a man. And that baptized Christians, you know, spirit, New Testament era, shift in dynamic. Uh, we are, in fact, uh, carriers uh, carriers of the image of God again. And in a sense, going backward and forward from the cross, we never lost it so far as the promises were concerned. So Seth was not born into the image of God, um, nor was he circumcised into the image of God, but Abraham was circumcised into the image of God. Seth would have been brought by means of blood sacrifices into the image of God through whatever was going on with probably the stars and the sheep, (laughs) uh, the clean animals that then make their way into sacrifices all the way up to the point of Noah and all this. Uh, So, but, but what this image of God is then is, is something I don't think it's really worth pinning down aside from, I mean, it's trust in God, really. Uh, it's trust, it's love, it's, it's pure reconciliation with each other, it's eternal bonding. Uh, and in that way, it's only what God has internally in the Godhead, but then in Jesus Christ, this is fully restored to all mankind and we participate in that. So, um, so in this way, again, uh, it is the task of the Christian father to be the image of the father who he knows is the true father. Uh, and give the son his image as that image and to believe that this is possible not by means of our works but that it is what our faith does okay when it believes these words speaks them and of course activates them it's not like the activating alone the doing is only the thing but you can't really believe if you never act on it you're just making stuff up at that point you don't really believe it at all so thank you for the super chat jedi knight homer simpson isn't the archetypal dad i was just thinking about that this morning I was thinking about how, in a very strange way, the only sane person in all Simpsons, if you let the whole series stand together, who would you want to be? It's Ned Flanders. He's, he actually is the only... His, his family gets weird. His church is weird. He'll say some odd stuff. But if you look at his character, he is the archetypal dad, actually. He's just been made fun of. <laughs> then again, I mean, you've seen him take off his shirt, right? <laughs> Huh? I don't know. That's my point. Yeah. Homer is not. Yeah. Homer is the wrong dad. And, and Ned, look how they mock Ned and look what he does for his family. Uh, uh, look at just for the society. Uh, it's awful. It's awful. We wonder why it's all falling down. So, um, 
This is such a tough one, says Rob. Finding men uh, who work with these common goals, uh, pretty much the only project, and so hard to forge ahead in the right model. Yeah, um, you're talking about like working together and uh, preparing for the future, right? Um, uh, he goes on and says, and that is exactly the part that was hard. Uh, sons of great fathers don't fear. So every time my sons fear, I feel it keenly, right? But how much more does the father feel it when I fear too? I wouldn't worry about that. He's not worried about that. Uh, the father in heaven is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There he goes again. But it's not like he's not mad the way we were all like mad, right? Or hurt. I hurt him again. He's just like, I don't know, I'll wait. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I don't think you need to worry about how he feels. Worry more about what you know he feels, which is that he loves you with adoration. And even while he's waiting, he's like, I love you. I just love you. I can't wait till you stop so I can just love you. And you're like, it doesn't feel right this time. I just did it last night big time. I lost my temper at a wire. A wire a piece of metal for an hour. I raged in my own mind, dear heavens. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. Uh, but the Christian walks back out of it. Yeah. The Christian knows that the flesh is not enlightened and cannot be, even though you restrict it, but the flesh or the Christian then says, I don't want my flesh to continue this way. And so just because a lot of us are immature because of the last 30 years of TV doesn't mean we can't start now start acting like real people again and really do something with our lives and with our churches and trust that it's not up to us. God will bless us or he'll kill us. Yeehaw, have fun. It's an adventure. Yay, Christianity. Natherius, glad to hear you. It says, uh, I hadn't put that together today. There's a reason only father is allowed to be made fun of. Yeah. Is the only unprotected category of citizen in a sitcom. Satan is distorting father. It has been for a long time. I'm calling this a millennial shift and we're about to turn back the other direction. That's just my guess. Uh, how do I send a long message to Pastor Fisk? Uh, you know that I won't read it. <laughs> That's out. Love you, Duncan. I don't have time for everybody in the world to do that. But if you send something through refist.com slash contact, I don't think it limits you. Generally, I'll see it or it'll get edited down so I'll hear about it. Yeah. Um, but long message, man. How much time do you think I got? Send a letter to 4881 uh, Ruskin, not Ruskin, 4881 uh, Kilburn Avenue, Rockford, Illinois, 61101, courtesy of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Write it by hand. I'll read it. Okay. Um, otherwise, don't don't waste my time, my friend. I love you. But really, uh, do you know how many emails I get, man? <laughs> I don't want a longer one. Oh, God bless you. Uh, so there you go. The contact on the website. Yeah, yeah. Send it in and it'll go through. We got a team of people to work on stuff, but like, uh, I would love, I would love to personally counsel every single one of you. Um, but that's what you have your local pastor for the longer emails. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad now. I shouldn't. I'm a man. No bad feelings. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so Homer for the win going on, going on, going on. Rob K is having a good day. Uh, thanks for all the, the comments you guys are having there. Conversationing. I don't know anything on the bottom. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. All right. So that did not in any way transition us in a miraculous way to the end of the show, but you made it this long. So you're here. And let me ask you yet again for your support. If you want this to keep going, my income is derived not only from my local church, but also from this. And frankly, if I can ever build this big enough to overshadow the local church, we'll just pay more people to work there. Because <laughs> right? the idea is not to hoard wealth for myself. The idea is to build a working economy in my family and my congregation, a market in the area of people who know each other and want to be committed to surviving the dark winter, whatever that might mean. And that's just like my own personal thing. And then there's St. Paul, which is just a great church, right? That happens to like it when I preach the word of God there. And you can always hear that on this channel. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, like do it where you are, right? Or if you can't find anyone to do it where you are, well, then send me the longer handwritten email and ask me about, you know, how you could fit into Rockford. Because frankly, 
this place is a disaster. And yet housing prices are great and it's really not that dangerous at all. You can get your food at the moment and it's a great place to build except for it's in Illinois. But by the time it all falls apart, I think Springfield's going to be able to get up here. <laughs> and I, now, again, I'm talking like the real crazy there, right? And and so I should say this in case my parishioners are listening. Remember, I'm gaming for you guys, like in my head, 30 and 40 years out here, right? I'm not assuming that in 30 years we have police protection. They yelled defund the police in all the major cities this year. So I think it's a pretty fair assessment to say there are movements afoot in, in the civilization that would like us to not have police protection. And at least not the kind we are used to having. We would rather have smaller ethnic controlled tribal groups that protect various street areas like in Minneapolis, right? Um, so I, I'm thinking about these things. I'm thinking about how we can have a church that lasts not just another five years to pay the bills so we can die in it, but a church that can start building a cathedral here in a couple of years, one that we won't finish before I'm dead, but will last until Jesus comes back, unless he doesn't tarry, which would be my preference. Um, could you? Like, ah. He doesn't answer prayers that way. And in my experience, he has not answered. He'll come back today yet. But I don't stop saying, deliver us from evil every morning. I do, I do, I do. So um, let all that sit into your thinker and funk it. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Again, if you want to support, Patreon is the way to do it. Ah, that's where I was going. Uh, uh, Patreon is a macro industry, right? Uh, they tend to shut people down from time to time. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon, but it is certainly, if you don't like Patreon, if you don't like YouTube uh, uh, super chatting, because all the dings of, of tax that comes out of that, which is quite a bit, uh, you can always send me money via PayPal, as long as it's under a certain amount, because cash gifts, frankly, are just cash gifts. I do have to report them, but you don't. Um, they don't get reported for your sake, and that's the big difference between that and giving it through a church, but you know, 501c3s are getting worse and worse these days. I will also take Bitcoin. Um, I, I plan to allow you to send me Bitcoin. So if you really want to be my friend, honestly, uh, but it's, don't invest right now. Whatever you do, do not invest right now. Wait, wait, wait. It's got to drop. It's got to drop less than 31. That's way too high. Uh, wait until I'm, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy if it doesn't drop down under the twenties again. Um, not, not, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ride. Now I already have some. So, um, but I, I think this will drop way down. We should see this down around 13, 14, right before it spiked its peak. I'm thinking that's where it'll come back to. That's when I would try to buy again. If I buy, I haven't bought for years. I bought once I'm holding because that's what you should do with a little bit of everything. Cause that's how you diversify a portfolio. According to the people who are licensed to say that, who will lie and sell you what they think is best. Uh, you can read unshakable by Tony Robbins. It would do a lot more for you. He won't help you with Bitcoin. You got to go to James Altucher for that. I don't know. God bless y'all. I'll take Bitcoin if you want to send it to me. It's Saturday. This was the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That ain't a joke. You are paid for. That ain't a joke. We, we're immortal now. He's our shepherd. We shall not want. He's not going to be long anyway. So lift up your heads as you see the day approaching and do not wallow in the muck with those who have no hope. Rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>